If you are in Sydney or Melbourne, listen up because we have some exciting news for you. Listen. Yeah, listen. Saturday, July. (laughs) Melbourne, we are doing Do Go On The Quiz Show live one night only or one afternoon only. Part of the Replay Festival at Comedy Republic on Saturday, July 6th at 3pm. This is 2024. And then the next weekend in Sydney, we are going up for a live Do Go On podcast at the fabulous Ritz Cinema on Saturday, July 13th at 3pm. Also 2024. Yeah, 2024. Yeah. Listen. 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 And get tickets. Buy tickets. Tickets at dogoonpod.com. Come. Let's do it. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit PlanetBroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky, and as always, before me, sitting in some fantastic chairs, it's Jess Perkins <laughs> and Matt Stewart. Hello, how are you, David? Hello, how are you, Jessica? Dave, we have to answer at the same time. One, two, three. Great. Good, thanks. Oh. How are you, Matt? I'm pretty good, thanks. You know, I'm not letting the old COVID get me down. <laughs> but if I'm being honest, it's been a bit of a bummer. <laughs> 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 on Friday, um, there was a tiger in Mexico that was born in a zoo there, and no. it was actually they they've a, named it COVID Warnicky. <laughs> well, it's so cute. You look at it; they have literally named it COVID. No, they named it COVID. Why? So the cutest little creature in the world. What were they thinking? They uh, th- tigers have a pretty decent lifespan, don't they? Like yeah, they'll, that'll sure. live. That's gone for decades. That thing, and it'll will forget. COVID-19, hopefully. And it's just going to sound like a beautiful name. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. It's not that bad, I suppose. It's like all those kids that got named Isis before uh, <laughs> that happened and yeah. they were like, we better change their names now, but I don't think they need to. Deep down, they'll always be Isis. Yeah. They change their name to COVID. <laughs> oh. How unlucky Damn are we? <laughs> <Damn> <laughs> I can't believe it. Well, it's great that we're still able to podcast together and we're still going to put out the episodes every week. But sadly, at the moment, we're not able to do live shows. Mm. And we had a whole bunch coming up this year. Yes. It was kind of going to be our year. Yeah. Oh, it was all nearly booked in. It was going to be our biggest year of live shows. My biggest year of stand-up touring as well. And that has all been 
fucked up by a little arsehole tiger yeah. named COVID. A freaking Mexican tiger. Which, as far as I know now, started a big yeah. thing. <laughs> we were so close to booking in the US too. We had a, a promoter slash producer. We had venues locked in, dates penciled yeah. in. And we were about... A lawyer working towards getting our visa. We were about a week off uh, hitting uh, fire on the application, which yeah. means a, a lot of money would have been spent yeah thankfully yeah. we didn't because you wouldn't get that back and right now there's little to zero chance of getting a visa and it's obviously not very safe to travel the world and australians have been locked down in our country actually we can't leave but um that was going to happen in october and we also were going to hopefully book in a trip to new zealand yeah our first well. trip to new zealand was getting really close we were uh looking at locking in a venue there as well and we we're also going to get back to brisbane sydney we're obviously doing the melbourne comedy festival um and yeah that well <laughs> i think for, i forget about it till we talk about it it's a real bummer <laughs> yeah, if sorry. i mention this this covid, this COVID asshole <laughs> we should be four shows in to the comedy festival and we would have done one podcast we would have done four of our solo shows by now yeah so that's fun so but as far as I know, though, I'm still doing Edinburgh, my stand-up show, but I have a funny feeling that I have no idea, but that can't. That can't, that, surely. Still, I think officially it's still They keep on. saying it's happening, but really, I don't know. Yeah. But, I mean, Comedy Fest said that for a long time, too. Yeah, yeah. You know? And we were all going, come on, it's yeah. not going to I mean, happen. And also the Olympics has said that for a long time, and now they're like, all right, all right, we admit it, it's not happening. Yeah. yeah. But there is, there is good news. They've rescheduled the Olympics. And also, <laughs> we um, instead of doing uh, these big live tours, which we will hopefully get back to next year, hopefully the world gets over this and we can all um, resume our normal lives and we can come and visit you in your home cities, but we have decided to try a new thing with uh, the help of our good friends at Stupid Old Studios. Evan! Good <laughs> old. From, from Stupid Old. And, and Emma! <laughs> Evan and Emma, the double E's, and we have... Do, uh, decided to do four live streamed podcasts on Saturday afternoons, Melbourne time, starting this Saturday. And uh, the tickets are on sale now. People have already got really behind us, which is really, really nice. So cool. And you can buy season passes just like you could have done at the Comedy Festival where you get to see all four streams for the price of three. And uh, they are in Aussie dollars. It's 12 Aussie dollars per podcast, which means it's about 15 US cents <laughs> because the uh, dollar's taken such a bad We owe you if you're buying from yeah, America. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's going to be sweet. And we're also, we're hoping to do, like, well, these episodes will be released somewhere or another like the normal live episodes are, except uh, people who hate hecklers won't have to deal with any of those because uh, I don't think we'll have the technology to be heckled at. But I'll be heckling. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, absolutely. So normal episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And so they'll be, so people will still be able to hear the edited audio uh, versions, but if you want to see the unedited live video streams plus yeah. we're going to have another we put them all out will we just like we do with live episodes. there's no we, we may not put them all out so if you want to see them all and also we'll, we'll probably do uh, some sort of interactive section at the end of the show as well which also won't go out in bit the of a chat um, so yeah the tickets are available so it's 12pm I believe on Saturday afternoons Melbourne Australian time on the east coast of Australia anyway and which equals to be about Friday night in the US yes mm-hmm. and uh, as as you go uh, further east in Europe, I think, the later it gets Yeah, so it might be on quite, Friday night. It might be quite late in the UK, but we're going to leave it up for about 24 hours afterwards. So even if you don't want to watch it live in the actual moment, you can go to bed and wake up and it, the link will be yes. there. Yes, ticket holders will be able to see it for, for 24 hours. So that's cool. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, so get involved. The ticket link is in the description of this episode. And uh, we depending on the where we're at in Australia, the original plan was we were going to do it at the studios, but it's looking more and more likely that we're going to be coming to you live from our relative uh, lounge rooms, mm, which is kind of fun as well. Yeah. You'll see. It'll be interesting to see us all side by side. David sitting in his ivory tower yeah. chair. Tower chair. That's what he calls his throne. Uh, Jess, what are, you, what are you going to be sitting on? <laughs> Probably the bathroom. It's got the best oh, uh, reception. I hadn't thought about that. I could do it from the bath. I <laughs> 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 ah. would love that. The water starts very bubbly. <laughs> and as it dissipates, uh, we lose... Viewers. <laughs> oh, can we get some pixels? <laughs> get some pixels. <laughs> anyway, we should get into the show, but uh, I'm, I'm really excited about. It. I'm so glad that Stupid Old have been able to help us out to it's do really that. We should also say that uh, our good friend Josh Earl, who hosts one of our favourite podcasts, also on Planet Broadcasting. Don't you know who I am? He's also doing two of the Saturdays, and uh, I'm definitely going to be watching his stuff because I love it. And uh, tickets are on the same website, the Stupid Old website, in the description. So yeah, it's, I think it's SOS Presents, SOSPresents.com. I think, but it, yeah, if you go to that, and I think there's there's semi plans in the works to get other things going, including some uh, stand up specials they've recorded in the past but never released, and a few other bits and pieces. So, yeah, so if you're if you're missing out on live comedy, that might be one of the cool places you can go to to get your fix. It might also be worth mentioning too that um, uh, Stupid Old are going to be um, launching their own Patreon. Very soon. It's either out now or it's coming very soon. Um, and, you know, they're the people that, I mean, make this podcast very possible and produce amazing content for themselves as well. So, you know, if you love gamey, gamey, game and you love, um, I don't know, Australian comedy, <laughs> then, you know, get around it. Yeah, for sure. They are fantastic people. And included in that is our very own Matt Stewart. That's right. I'm blushing, you guys. You think, <laughs> you think we're great people? We think you're great people. I well, think Evan's great. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, I understand. There's... Uh, six of us involved. Yep. Um, five out of six ain't bad, man. <laughs> pretty, yeah. Pretty good odds. I reckon five out of six of you are fantastic. Oh, and I'm so not much. naming names. Okay. But it's you got a, you got beef with Alistair Trumbly Bertrand? Absolutely not. No, <laughs> oh, Andy I love Matthews. No, Andy's a, an angel. Oh, Beck betrayed us. No, one of my closest friends. Oh, okay. Well, I'm assuming you must be talking about Evan Munro Smith. No, nope. love him to pieces. Emma Sharp. <laughs> I'm no, starting to feel a little. Oh, you, you All right, I'm miscounted here. <laughs> 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 anyway, we should get on with the show. <laughs> All right. The way this one works is uh, Jess is the best at explaining it. I really am. May I? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, one of the three of us does a report about a topic usually suggested by a listener and they present that topic to the other two, uh, being the two of the three of us. Fantastic. Two-thirds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. of Two-thirds of us. I don't know what it is. I am in the third that do know what it is, so I'm going to ask you that question to get us onto topic and that is... One of my all-time favourite Simpsons quotes is, Hop in the spruce goose. I said, hop in. (laughs) And that is a parody of which eccentric billionaire? The aviator. It is the aviator. His name is Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh... I forget what his, his first frick- name is. Howard. Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes. Jess looks amazed that Matt got this so strongly. <laughs> it was the honestly. The I'm amazed Matt gets out of bed most days. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, the only Matt, reason I know <laughs> the only reason I know things from uh, culture, <laughs> well, which I'm using broadly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> eccentric billionaires. Yeah, uh, I, I know them from The Simpsons. I wouldn't have got that reference at all as a kid, but uh, I did see The Aviator. 
And the only thing I can really remember is that he was really hard on them making the pop rivets flat. And there, there was like a montage where they'd keep coming back. This flat? No. I want them to be smooth. <laughs> and they'd come back and go, like this? No, damn it. Just make him yourself at that point. You yeah, know? come on, Leo. Well, he actually did do a lot of stuff like that, making his own stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're going to talk about yeah, it. Yeah. Well, I know the name, but I could not have told, placed Howard Hughes in history. So I know nothing. Fantastic. Well, let me just tell you, it's a crazy story. Awesome. I love crazy stories. And The Aviator is a great film. It's a Martin Scorsese picture. And that sort of documents sort of the first sort of two-thirds-ish of his life. Mm-hmm. Oh, so like the me and Jess section. Yeah, but then... And you're going to do the Dave third. The Dave third. And that is when things get at their, their most crazy. That's when he becomes Mr. Burns. <laughs> yeah. And have, There's a bit of that. There's was a bit that of the that. casino episode? Yeah. yeah. Where yeah. Marge... Oh, she yeah. gets a little addictive. I call him Gambler. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Patreons voted on three people who lived eccentric lives. We put up three. Um, Can you tell us who, who lost? I don't Was know one of them Don Bradman? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. Slightly loonier. Okay. I, I don't want to. I know. I would like to do them in the future. One of them was an artist, and the other one was someone who inherited a lot of money. <laughs> okay. That's how I'd like to get wealthy. Well, yeah. let me just tell you that this guy is. Probably both of those combined. Wow. Great. Bit of an artist, bit of a man who in, in, in inherited a lot of money. Uh, but I think they voted for the most eccentric of the three. So I think they chose Fantastic. well. Well done, Patreon. I wanted to do this topic for ages um, because I used to just be um, well into reading Wikipedia and this was one of my favourite articles was, was about this guy because he had some so many strange things happen in his life. Great. And uh, so I, I put it up because I wanted three eccentric people and then I was like, I checked the hat and only one person has vaguely suggested it and that is huh. uh, Steve from Adelaide-ish <laughs> who said um, we should do more topics about casino heists and then listed a few and one of them vaguely mentioned Howard Hughes because as you're about to discover, he bought a casino which is why he's parodied oh, on The Simpsons. Right. Yeah. But, um, Interesting, so why does Steve not want to give his... Location away. What's mm. what's he been doing? Adelaide-ish. Mm. Mm. And then um, in the topic or the section where you ask what your Twitter handle is, he's just written hashtag don't have Twitter. Thank you for letting us know. I, don't, I added that a long time ago. That's absolutely useless information for us. <laughs> yeah. I should take that part out of the hat form. Oh, that's all good. But thanks to uh, <laughs> Steve. For kind of, he's from Adelaide-ish and he kind of suggested-ish this topic. Okay. Great-ish. All right, so Howard Robard Hughes Jr. Yes, he is eccentric, <laughs> and I love a junior. This uh, he he certainly is a junior. He was born in Houston, Texas, on Christmas Eve, nineteen oh five. Sucks. Christmas birthdays. Yeah, you want to spread the joy. Yeah, and then you never get the attention that you need for a birthday. No, no way. people are like, shut up! I'm baking a cake. Yeah, I'm stressed. <laughs> Grandma's coming tomorrow. <laughs> Oh. Happy birthday, whatever. You know, it's a nightmare. Clean out the attic. What? Uh, how huge you was the only <laughs> child of... <laughs> I thought you fumbled on something there. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> That's how so huge you. Well, I hadn't written it down, so I just sort of had to try and work it out as it came out. And it, it oh, I'm happy with my, my effort. How huge you. He was the only child of Aline Stone Garno and Howard Robard Hughes Sr. Fantastic. He's... Uh, Father, How Hugh Sen, was an inventor and businessman from Missouri who found great success by founding the Hughes Tool Company and for patenting a 
rotary rock drill bit, nicknamed the Rock Eater. Ooh. Ooh. Um, num, 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 num. I'm a rock eater. Make, make you chump rock. rock. Make <laughs> you chump rock. Make you chump rock. All day long. <laughs> well, it did. And, and it had could, a really good battery life. We should talk to them about an ad campaign. <laughs> yes. Are they still going? <laughs> yeah. Great. In one form or another. It completely revolutionized oil well drilling, penetrating hard rock with 10 times the speed of any former bit. So every company needed one. Oil's Every company, no matter what they did, <laughs> accountants. <laughs> they needed one. Every ambulance had one. Yeah. Just in case. You're a good salesman. <laughs> you all need one. Now there's never been a better time to buy. <laughs> you are good. <laughs> well, every oil company needed one and oil was really taking off. So this made Howard Hughes Sr. a very, very wealthy man. Fantastic. His father was frequently away on business, away on business. So young Howard was raised mostly by his mother, Aline, who was a socialite who had a paralyzing fear of germs and illnesses, particularly polio, something that she imparted onto her son and would affect him throughout his life. And I mean the fear, not polio, (laughs) just the way that came out. But a specific fear of polio. Mm, Because, well, to be fair, back then, if you got it, it was pretty bad news. Yeah. And a lot of people would get it. Right. What is polio? This is not for me. This is for listeners who might not know. Uh, It affects your legs. Okay. Eventually, I think you become wheelchair bound. Oh, right. Yeah. Wow. Often for life. Yeah, like, okay. So, if, if you got it, it would, yeah, and it was very common before people were inoculated against that kind of stuff. So, you can see why you would be cautious about with, with your child, but I think she was very much talked about germs to the point that he thought about germs all the time himself. Yeah. Yeah, right. Come on, Eileen. Knock it off. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. According to the Houston Chronicle, Eileen... Kept Hughes close, <laughs> refusing to allow him to roam with neighbourhood children. If Hughes grew even the slightest bit sick, multiple physicians were summoned to the family's home to examine the young boy. So he became very, very afraid of germs yeah. and illness. Real hypochondriac. Real hypochondriac. I am a bit, but he made me feel like it's okay. <laughs> yeah, right. There's definitely stages. I think I'm too relaxed. Really? I think so. I feel any pain and I think I'm going to die. Nah. Why do I feel the pain in my back? I don't think I've got a sore back. I think cancer every time. <laughs> I, can, I can go between the two. Um, but I, yeah, you know, there's the stereotype men don't go to doctors. I'm up for, if I'm like, oh, I'm not sure about this, I'll go to a doctor. Good. But I, yeah, which is like, it just feels, feels like they put your mind at ease. And for the most part, you're like, they're yeah. like, yeah, you, you, you'll be right or whatever. And sometimes they're like, oh, I'm glad you came to this. You were about to die. <laughs> <laughs> that was the time that I had a, a bullet hole in my chest. Ah. I was bleeding out. You're slightly you slightly worried. Look, I'm like, just... If they've got an appointment, <laughs> yeah. I'll pop in. Did you start with an apology? This is probably nothing. I'm sorry, sorry to sorry. waste your time. I did. Like, no, no, this is this is worth seeing us about. I did start with an apology at the GP recently because I had to go in just for a prescription for migraine drugs uh, and COVID-19 is happening. And I walked in like, I'm so sorry to bother you. Uh, just some admin. <laughs> How are you? I checked in on her, which I think mm. more people should do. Did you take her temperature? Of course. Yeah. She was fine. Yeah, good. <laughs> good to hear it. You got I said, keep- just keep up your fluids. Yeah. yeah. You know, you'll be right. And she said, thank you so much. <laughs> I was so worried. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, hero, I don't know. Doctors make the worst patients. Mm, say that. Mm. <laughs> patients make the worst doctors. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Are you doing that right? <laughs> I'm a doctor. 
Uh, according to the BBC, his father, in an attempt to balance her molly coddling, as they put it, packed him off to a string of boarding schools, bypassing their academic requirements by writing colossal checks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just Take literally. my boy. Yeah. Not big amounts, but just large <laughs> checks. <laughs> Novelty <laughs> checks. I think you'll find this is more than enough. Uh, so this is for $10. <laughs> yeah, but that check, that, that's huge. That's a huge check. <laughs> that's a big check. So. Deny me that. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> Uh, but for the most part, Hughes lived in an isolated world of his own, and some say this paved the road for a success, for he was a very intelligent and inventive young lad. Hmm. He's on his own, so he's got to, you know... Make uh, up d- friends. Yeah, do things for himself. And at just 11 years old, Hughes built the first wireless radio set in all of Houston. What? Whoa. Can you believe that? No one else had one, and he built one at 11. That's where NASA is. Probably not yet, <laughs> but still. Did he just Google how to build one? I would have YouTubed it for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But you start by Googling it. So yeah. there's instructions <laughs> and then you read the instructions while watching a video. Mm-hmm. And eating pasta. Of course, that you also made from a YouTube video. <laughs> How to buy pasta. <laughs> Go to a supermarket. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Let's okay. Rewind. <laughs> How do I... How All does right. one go to? Okay, I need another video. <laughs> no, I need to go on dictionary.com, supermarket. Uh, so he built this at 11 years old and he used it to talk to ship's captains in the Gulf of Mexico. They're probably being like, this is a secure line. I'm Piss a little off. boy. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> My dad could buy you. Uh, a year later, he designed and built a motorized bicycle. Basically a motorbike. At the age of 14, he took his first flying lesson and he fell in love with the relatively new mode of transport. Yeah, he's a rich kid. Yeah. Flying lessons at 14. Daddy. Oh, yeah. Come on, mate. Oh, mate. Now that would be extravagant, but. Oh, yeah. When I'm guessing he was flying the one plane the world shared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Daddy. Daddy, I want to have a go. <laughs> Call up Charles Lindbergh and make him drop it off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, tragedy first struck the family when in 1922, at the age of just 16, Howard's mother died from complications from an ectopic pregnancy. So she was just 39 years old. Okay, he was 16. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes, he was Got 16. Yeah, she was 39. Oh, so no. she was very young. And remember, she was always always feared medical stuff. Yeah, yeah. so she was proven right in the end. Yeah. But well, her final words were, told you. Told you. <laughs> Don't get polio. <laughs> so Howard's father took him out of school and moved him to California, where he took further flying lessons and fell in love with the glitz and glamour of Hollywood. Ah, Tinseltown. He loved it. Who doesn't? These two things, as well as fear of germs, would go on to define the man. Hollywood, aviation, germs. Got it. They're the big three in his life. Fair enough. Uh, Hughes and his father then moved back to Houston, where the junior of the two started university before tragedy again struck the family. Oh, no. Howard Hughes Sr. died of a heart attack in 1924, leaving only child Howard Hughes an orphan at the age of 18. Oh, my God. This also meant he inherited the majority of his father's multi-million dollar company. Howard received a 75% stake, but because he was under 21, he was considered a minor and wasn't allowed to make any decisions. Uh, so, on his 19th birthday, he went can to Can fly a plane. Yeah. <laughs> Can't make decisions, yeah. though. <laughs> what a, what, that's a funny dichotomy, yeah, isn't weird. it? Yeah. So don't, you can fly, you can make, but don't make any decisions up there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, can I, can I land it? Well, uh, <laughs> that's not up to you, mate. You'll have to stay up there until you turn 21, <laughs> and then you can land. <laughs> Uh, on his 19th birthday, he went to court and had himself declared to be an emancipated minor, meaning he could take control of his life and the family business. He also 
bought out his relatives who had inherited the other 25% stake in the business, meaning the 19-year-old was now fully in charge. Far out. That seems like a bad idea. Well, actually, he's quite intelligent. I'm thinking of myself at 19, (laughs) and that wouldn't have ended well. But he's naturally intelligent, but he's not. he hasn't done a lot of schooling or university. So yeah. He's sort of done a bit here, a bit there, a bit there, but he's just a very naturally um, clever and interested guy. He taught himself a lot of things. So the Howard Hughes Tool Company, which is the company, paid Hughes an annual salary of $50,000, which is equivalent of $750,000 today. That's pretty good money. That's pretty I good reckon money. that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. You, I reckon you could live pretty comfortably on that. Yeah, if you got that in your in your life of work. Yeah. And you can become even <laughs> more comfortable if you have that to spend, but then you also get your money's worth by charging all major expenses such as planes, automobiles, and even houses to the company. So he was very uh, rich. That was just spending money, basically. That's great. But he didn't want to just be a tool man. Sure. No. So the next year in 1925, Hughes Jr. appointed Noah Dietrich as CEO of Hughes Tool Company while he himself left for, left for California to pursue his two passions, filmmaking and aviation. This turned out to be a very wise move because Noah Dietrich was a great businessman and took the tool company from strength to strength, profiting over $50 million a year in the 1920s. Holy shit. (laughs) Which these days is three quarters of a billion US profit. Whoa. Far out. Do companies do that today? Very rarely. Right. It was one of the The most successful companies. The biggest of the biggest companies today might, maybe? Yeah. Would like Apple at their peak, maybe? I I don't know why. I think Google is like a trillion dollar company. Whoa. (laughs) Don't even know what that means. Yeah, but, um, I don't know, um, I don't know billion, how many billion? zeros yeah. it is. But basically, he's given the family business to this other genius and said, take care of that. I'm going to Hollywood. And while he's, so now he's just got money for life rolling in the background. And he's not even 20 years old yet. Ugh. Is that a recipe for success or disaster, do you think? Disaster. Yeah, that does sound like that. That would be very few people would do well with that, I think. It's just... It's crazy money. Yeah, but I think I'd hate that. There's got to be so, like a period of failure and normal life before you get to that to yes. appreciate it and to for it to not fuck you up. I would have thought, but no. And that's why I've been preparing my whole life for yeah for uh, for wealth multi multi million. I'm preparing for wealth. Yes, yeah. I think I'm almost ready. Mm. If anyone wants to benefact me. That right. could be the name of our new podcast, Benefact Me. And it's just us begging for <laughs> benefactors to give us millions. Please. Please, millions. millions. Yeah. yeah, not. I'll take nothing less. <laughs> yeah, you're Don't fool. patronise us. Oh, my God. And while we wait, we say facts. <laughs> millions, please. Three million would be good. Three million. Then we Here's get a mil each. Every three million dollars will give you one fact. I think that's reasonable, but it'll be a really good fact. Oh, yeah. So, uh, he's moved to Hollywood and he has a lot of ambitions. This is what Howard Hughes said when he moved to Hollywood. I intend to be the greatest golfer in the world, the finest film producer in the world, the greatest pilot in the world, and the richest man in the world. And he said that at 19. It's pretty interesting because I've been watching Tiger King and uh, one of the, the people in that, she says, I believe that people should only have one thing they're good at. Which I thought was quite sad. That was quite a bleak outlook on the world. Right. 
They're like, you can, I make a really good spaghetti and that's all I, uh, you know. Oh, God, imagine your thing is spaghetti. Damn it. Yeah. Damn it. You only got one thing that you've got. I've watched the whole series. I can't remember. Carol says that in like the first episode. And she's, obviously, she's talking about, you know, saving big cats. But so she's like, this is like, you only have one thing. Which I was like, well, I don't know if that's, I agree with that. But this guy going, I'm going to be the greatest at four or five things. Yeah, so he said, greatest golfer, finest film producer, greatest pilot and richest man in the world. Which four things. Sounds a little bit crazy, but he did most of those things. Right. There is a, a difference between being good at something and being the greatest in the world too, right? Yeah. So there, there's a big difference between what Carol's outlook. I think somewhere in between is true. Yeah. You know? I want to be the greatest in the world at one thing and good at Oh, I don't want to be the greatest in the world at anything. That's a lot of pressure. I just want to survive. I just want to be the greatest in the world at making spaghetti or whatever you said before. Well, I'd, I'd keep working because I've had your spaghetti. Oh. And it's pretty great. Yeah, it's pretty great. It's but not, it's not the best in the world. In the world. <laughs> it's not how mama used to make it. Oh. No. It's still pretty good though. Well, I am actually one eighth Swiss Italian, so sixteenth, mate. Come on, get the maths right. Um, <laughs> I know your life better than you. Oh, uh, so yeah, that sounds crazy. He did do most of these things except golf, which he later gave up. All right, uh, but the other stuff—that's definitely on the table at this stage. Far out. How good at golf did he get? He got good. He got very good. He'd often play with a lot of the famous pros of the day. Greg Norman. Yes, <laughs> he oh gave the, he gave Greg his nickname the Shark. Really? Because ah. he. Because they used to cheat. <laughs> you bloody shark, Greg. You are a fucking shark. Sharks obviously notorious for cheating at poker. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> they can only cheat forwards. <laughs> <laughs> but they never they can't stop cheating. No. Once they start, they can't go mm. back. <laughs> so the very young and very wealthy Howard Hughes moved to Hollywood where his uncle Rupert Hughes was an Oscar nominated screenwriter and novelist. Ooh. His father's brother. And Howard wasn't alone at this time. He just married his first wife, Ella Rice, who also came from a very wealthy family from Texas. They moved into the Ambassador Hotel in LA, which would be the first of many hotels that Howard lived in throughout the rest of his life. He rarely lived in a home. It was nearly always hotels. Yeah, right. I don't mind staying in hotels, but I don't know if I'd want to live in one. I love a breakfast buffet. As long as they've I got love one, a I mean. Buffet. But I mean, if you're living there... And you're living in like a penthouse. You're not going to the breakfast buffet. But you're surely you're enjoying some of the other perks. Certainly not if you're a germaphobe like this guy. Mm. Yeah, he's not touching the, the spoon for the baked beans. <laughs> but I am. Oh, yeah. I'm licking that spoon, you're which brave. is why he's not touching it. <laughs> <laughs> I keep people off that spoon. Keep them for me. <laughs> uh, during this time, he also learned to fly a Waco aeroplane and put his money to use producing and funding his first film, which was called Swell Hogan. Swell uh, Hogan. Predictions, what do you think? Good or bad? Well, swell. So good. <laughs> okay. Yeah, swell's a great word. Uh, I'm Because I've never heard of it, I'm going to say really good. <laughs> I'm saying good. It was a dismal flop. Nah. Costing double what Hughes had anticipated. He reportedly watched it back and decided that no one should ever see the film. It ah, was that bad. He's okay. a perfectionist. And I like that about him. But it was invaluable to him as he had demanded to be on set to see how the film was made at every stage and edited and stuff like that. So he became, it became sort of a film boot camp for him. He knew what not to do next time. Yeah. Every step of the way. <laughs> Everything yeah, this wow. director did. I'm not doing that. <laughs> Despite the flop, he was embraced by Hollywood high. 
Ah, uh, flop's a fun word. Yeah, it is funny. Despite his flop. Despite um, flopping the chop. <laughs> well, you know. He was arrested. <laughs> now, he was embraced by Hollywood High Society, but behind his back, they referred to him as, quote, the sucker with the money. Oh, oh fun. Oh, right. They did not they respect him. They saw him as new money. They did not respect him at this stage. But he kept investing, and his next two films were hits. The second was 1927's Two Arabian Nights. <laughs> Which sounds like a porno. Yes. And it won the first Academy Award for Best Director of a Comedy Picture. Right. Wow. Two Arabian but, Nights. Yeah, at least to give out two Best Director Awards. Uh, okay. Why? That was the first ever Academy Awards. He, his film won one. Why'd they give out two? Because it was Best Drama and Best Comedy oh, Director. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. At this point in his life, Howard stopped wearing a watch and recognising day and night. Yes. I don't recognise you. <laughs> Dark what skies. Is this? What is it? It could be this is the morning. Someone turn the light on. <laughs> turn off the dark. <laughs> <laughs> Someone turn off the dark. That's he he actually coined that phrase. Hey, so that that makes sense to me. They should go back to that best director for comedy and Yeah, agreed. Drama. Yeah, because best a comedy film never has a shot in that category anymore. But it's does just it? because they don't I mean, yeah, that I don't know, it's interesting, but it feels like they're very different skills. And both equally difficult. Although I've heard some say, and I kind of agree with it, it's uh, you can a, a, a comedian can act in drama, but it, often drama actors can't do comedies. Comedy's the hardest skill. Like, you which think is of exactly bi- what comedians would say. Yeah, <laughs> well, you think, but I do agree. Think of like the big. How many? I guess there are examples both ways, but you think of big. Comedy actors who you'd never guess could do a well in drama, like Jim Carrey, yep. Adam Sandler, like the absolute sort of almost jokey goofball actors, Robin Williams, who do amazing mm, straight drama roles. Yeah, yeah. And there's there wouldn't be anywhere near as many examples going the other way. I don't no. think. Maybe Robert De Niro. He's done. I mean, his comedies haven't been, but he he's funny. Michael Caine was he? He sort of started drama, and he's quite funny. There's probably probably some examples. I think Steve Martin's probably another one who could do can drama do series, okay. Yep, yep. But yeah, I reckon I I the first time I heard that I thought the same thing. I'm like, oh that's sounds like self serving comedian talk. But I think I think there's something in it. But is it also a lot of the time that these dramatic actors don't really are they interested in doing comedy? Uh yeah, maybe that's a that's a point. But mm. I, do, I do think it is a harder skill. Yeah. Yeah. I've def- yeah, I can definitely see even I can't do both. <laughs> even in theatre or I've even I've put done like sketches and stuff for um filmed sketches and stuff working with serious actors who are doing comedy and you can see them struggle. But that's just that's down to the individual. But I think it is a harder thing to do. But yeah, they're sort of like uh and they're working with comedians and it's like you've got no fucking chance here. <laughs> That's not true. I'll shut up. Nah, nah, cancel them. <laughs> name names. <laughs> name and shame. Were you in a sketch with Meryl Streep? Yeah. No, she, can, she can't be funny, she actually. Su- yeah, yeah she's funny. funny. Yeah, she's right. She's, she's good. She could do anything. Damn you, Mer- Meryl. Would she play Jessica Lovejoy on The Simpsons? She played a child on The Simpsons and was probably one of the best guest stars I've ever had. Oh, my God. That was Meryl? Jessica Lovejoy, yeah. Bart's crush. That's Meryl Streep. What do you mean? <laughs> she's so good at being a child. What do you <laughs> she mean? She can do anything. <laughs> Helen Mirren's another one. She's funny. Yeah. She can be funny. All right. Maybe there, maybe there is as many can do both ways. I also think that the director plays such a huge role. You know, you see every great actor's had 
horrible movies. And I think that's mainly down to the direction and editing, right? Yeah, they make so. them look good or bad. So I think a, a lot of it is the. Anyway, this you're is really hating on actors here. <laughs> no, I just, well, I just, I'm sort of backing them up for their <laughs> when they have had flops or whatever. Oh, it's okay, like, right, yeah. I don't really think it's on them. Mm. Well, ha- Hughes has moved on from the flop to success, and this is where he stops wearing a watch. He just started working incessantly. Sometimes he would work for up to 40 hours straight, only breaking to eat a can of beans or a bacon and avocado sandwich. You're listing this out. Is my kind of guy. Yep. This guy, he's taking a break for some beans. That's why I put that in. Yeah. Love that. <laughs> Love this guy. Stuff. Love that energy. Not that I could ever work for 40 hours straight, but... but I, I don't even work 40 hours a week. <laughs> I don't reckon I do it fortnightly. <laughs> you don't... Sure, you do 20 hours a week. Well, what? What do I do? You work on yourself. Yeah, I do work on myself. That's 24-7, let me tell you. <laughs> Even in my dreams, I'm like, all right, now, let's reflect on today. Hey, Dave, you know you said, so he stopped wearing a wristwatch after the flop. Did you know that one of the fam- most famous uh, dick tricks is the wristwatch? <laughs> so maybe, did he flop the chop on the, do the wristwatch? And then somehow that... Yeah. He started wearing a watch on his chop. <laughs> oh, he got a tattoo. <laughs> Yeah, and that's why I didn't uh, respect day and night <laughs> because even a cock watch is right <laughs> twice just, a day. You just point to it and say, it's always five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> even a cocked... That's so close to something real good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> even a cocked watch is correct <laughs> twice a day. I want to tweet that later. Yeah, okay. Uh, if everyone listening, go back to last week and <laughs> like that tweet. <laughs> I'm going to tweet it right now. <laughs> Dude, that doesn't make sense though without a picture. Okay, let me take a quick... <laughs> no, no, I've had, a quick, I've had to think about this. <laughs> uh, Howard Hughes produced his most ambitious film, Hell's Angels, in 1930. A film that he also chose to direct himself. Well, he chose to do that after he fired three other directors who weren't achieving his vision. Oh, wow. Yeah, he sounds like a real kook. <laughs> so it was a World War I um, aviation film with a lot of flying involved. Is that where the term Hell's Angels came from? I'm actually not sure, no. I imagine that predates the bikey gang. Yeah, 1930. Yeah, I would reckon. Yeah, interesting. Uh, the film it's a great term, Hell's Angels. It is a fantastic term. And the film used upwards of 50 aircraft, nearly half actual World War One aeroplanes, and Hughes hired every single pilot in Hollywood to fly the aerial sequences and pilot the camera planes. Wow. The lead stunt pilot, Paul Nance, considered the final scene in which an aircraft had to make a steep pull-out after a mission too dangerous and reported that his pilots wouldn't be able to do the manoeuvre safely. Wow. He said, we're not doing it. Can't do it. Determined to show these stunt pilots working on the film how no. they should be doing it. No. And at the same time, what a hotshot pilot he was. No. Howard Hughes took off to do the scene by himself. No. It required him to pilot an actual World War One aeroplane, an aeroplane that would be a challenge for any new pilot. <laughs> so, no, and he got the best stuntman in the in the in the country saying it's too dangerous. He's like, I'll I'll do it. So Hughes took off, but as Mance had predicted, he failed to pull out, oh crashed, my God. and was seriously injured with a skull fracture. Fortunately, he survived and recovered, leading the crew to joke. Quote, at least he hasn't hurt his check riding arm. <laughs> We're still getting paid. So he was just a, a lot of money for a lot of people. But three other pilots did crash and die whilst making the film, which went millions of dollars over budget Whoa. in a time when most films didn't even cost $1 million to make. 
Wow. He just went millions of... He just kept throwing money at this thing. It was shot without sound at first. It was a silent picture. But it took so long to make the film, by the time it was, it was done, Hughes discovered that the talkies were all the rage. So people had started talking in movies. So he had to reshoot the whole thing with sound. Oh, my God. The lead actress, Norwegian Greta Nissen, who was in the silent era one of the biggest stars in the world, but she had a Norwegian voice rather than an American one. So she was recast by Hughes, who replaced her with then unknown actor Harleen Carpenter, who rebranded as Jean Harlow. Oh, wow. One of uh, the most successful actresses of the golden age of Hollywood. Despite dying at 26, do you know that? Crazy. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. She's in the 26 Club. Mm. Yeah, 26 Club. The film was a huge box office success, but despite this, it did not recoup its costs. So it was a hit and it still didn't make enough money. Because it had money. two budgets. Yeah. It, I think it ended up costing $4 million at the time. At the time. At the time, which is tens and tens of It's a little indie dollars. flick these days. Yeah. Far yeah. <laughs> out. Right. Uh, so it was still considered a hit. Because people loved it and lots of people saw it. It did make Harlow, the original platinum blonde bombshell, a huge star and gave Howard Hughes the reputation that he'd been looking for. He was no longer just the wealthy boy from Texas. He was now a real Hollywood player. Aww. Because he made a good film. It was around this time that his first wife, Ella, filed for divorce. After she moved back to Houston and uh, whilst she was back in Houston, he had dated many of Hollywood's most famous leading ladies. So it's little surprise that she divorced him. He reportedly dated some of the most famous women of the era. He, he dated Billy Dove, Betty Davis, Ava Gardner, Catherine Hepburn, Hedy Lamarr, Ginger Rogers, Janet Leigh, Rita Hayworth, and many, many, oh many God. more. That's a who's who's yeah, list. Yeah, right? And they could all do comedy or drama. They were the best. But yeah, isn't that... And Ginger Rogers could do what Fred Astaire was doing backwards. Oh, jeez, tell you what. Please. What was he doing? That's what people the alphabet. say. People say that. <laughs> oh. Z-Y. Because everyone talks about how Fred was such an amazing w. dancer. And everyone goes, well, yeah, X. Ginger's doing it backwards. Wait, there's the expert. Because she's dancing with you. Oh, right. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you now. I'm with you now. Yeah, but it's good that I had to explain it. Are you trying to do the alphabet backwards still? I think there's seven. Is that in there somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> no. Round it up. Uh, hashtag. <laughs> yes, hashtag is in there, obviously. So he dated a lot of very, very, very famous women. That's only a very uh, short list. But he was rich, wow. powerful and handsome by many accounts. But also by Dave, many... Dave, you're allowed to say he was handsome. Why did you have to put that on a word? Well, to me, he looks a little bit creepy, to be honest. But th- I've only seen... There's only still photos. Any photo <laughs> of photos. someone back no, in movies. the day, I'm always like, eh. Yeah, it's, that's what I mean. It's hard to say. It yeah. really is. You can look him up but if people, you like. At the time, people thought he was a babe. Yeah, yeah. He was considered very, very attractive. To me, he looks a little bit like... Oh, a, yeah. He Show looks us. A yeah, young, he's, he's pretty. You, oh, he's does right, he but not he does look, look like, a little bit creepy. Like Patrick Bateman or a serial killer to yeah, you. Yeah, those eyes are a bit dead. I reckon he's got a bit of a... Yeah, like he's... Geez, he's not photogenic. <laughs> Every photo is looks like they got him uh, seconds after he thought they were taking the photo. <laughs> Are there any smiling photos? That can really change your face. I did not see a smiling photo. No, nah, that one I showed you was the smiling. He was a pretty serious man. Okay. But my sentence was, he was rich, powerful and handsome by many accounts. Yes. By other, by, but also by many accounts, a terrible person when it came to women. Great. He would sign young, hopeful, beautiful women to exclusive binding contracts Give them a free place to live only for them to never hear from him again or for him to sell their contract uh, to a bidding studio. What do you mean? He'd give them somewhere to live. Yeah, he'd be like, come to Hollywood, I'll make you a star, put him up, and then they'd never hear from him again. 
or he'd sell their contract for more money to another. Oh, shit. And sort of not do very well. Often it was implied in a documentary that I made that he slept did with Did you say a documentary yeah. you made? Yeah, yeah so. you did. <laughs> <laughs> that's, Good pick up. that's how I allege things. I'm like, well, uh, I made the documentary, but in the documentary that I made, um, it is, yeah, everything quoting back. The documentary I made, so the podcast I'm recording is implying that he slept yeah, with them. That he was sleeping with lots of women and sort of using his, uh, his importance. When Billy Dove, who was very famous, broke out with him, he reportedly took all the furniture that he'd bought her, packed it into a truck, and then set the truck on fire. <laughs> It's so unnecessary. Oh, no. So he was had a flair for the dramatic and by, by many accounts didn't seem to be treating people very well. Uh, he was also a great promoter of his work. In 1932, he produced a film called Scarface based on the life of Al Capone. Whoa, right. Into 32. 1932, yeah. But it's, it's not the same film as yeah. Scarface. But yeah, it was full of violence and shock to the senses. And Hughes used the controversy to turn the film into an audience hit. Wow. So they tried to stop him from releasing it and he actually turned that into publicity. They tried to stop us. Yeah, yeah but we yeah. did it anyway. Wow. He would do the same thing in 1943 when producing The uh, Outlaw about Billy the Kid. Mm-hmm. The film featured a new star by the name of Jane Russell who played a love interest who wore highly provocative clothing. Hughes became obsessed, and this is what you were talking about, Matt. He had an eye for detail when it came to certain things and only wanted it a certain way. Fanatical. Well, it sounds like that was the same with his filmmaking. Uh, he became obsessed with showing off Jane Russell's breasts in a certain way. Okay. He kept, kept sending the costume back, sending the costume back, and it got to the point where he designed a new bra using his engineering background. So that her breasts would pop in a certain way. Apparently... They should not pop. <laughs> yeah, well... As a breast owner, they shouldn't pop at any point. You got a... You got, you I own some. You got a pair? Yeah, I got some breasts. Pop them. You, sh- you, you shouldn't be popping them. Uh, apparently, the bra he invented was too uncomfortable even to wear. Jane Russell recalled in her book, When I went into the dressing room with my wardrobe girl and tried it on, I found it uncomfortable and ridiculous. Believe me, he could design planes. But Mr. Playtex... He wasn't. <laughs> uh, the film was very controversial because of this, because he was basically showing off her boobs a lot. Right. And the censors didn't like and that in again. in a certain way, you, you know, said. Yeah. He just kept saying, no, that's not right. That's yeah. not right. That's, it's almost like shave those sideburns. Yeah. <laughs> I said shave the. They keep coming out with a, diff- a top slightly different. Him going, no, no. it's not right. It's Are you right. listening? And they're like, I don't know what you want. And then he designs this weird bra. So he, he was very specific. And it's basically uh, a top with the boob area cut out. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want to yeah. see. Just oh, you wanted to see the nipples. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but again, this film was a huge hit because there were all these controversial articles written about how she was nude in lots of scenes and stuff like that. Yeah. So he loved Hollywood, he loved treating women badly, but his other <laughs> love was aviation and he was desperate to get more experience. So he took up a job under the name of Charles Howard. What do you mean? Now we... Oh my God. Okay. So he went, went undercover for $250 a month as an assistant for American Airlines, just so he could learn more about airplanes. Wow. He went undercover. Uh, two months later, he quit and he and Glenn Oderkirk formed the Hughes Aircraft Company. Oh, my oh. God. Like, I've got enough experience, so I'm going to make my own airline. Two months. <laughs> Two months later, he made his own airline. Ah, that's amazing. So, yeah, so he basically... I wonder if that's even legal <laughs> to go in and kind of steal yeah. info like that. Is it? Or It's undercover yeah. boss. In a way. He was undercover boss for another company. <laughs> that's <laughs> wild. Undercover future boss. <laughs> 
And he at the end, did he take off his mustache and go, it was I all along. <laughs> I'm like, who? Who? Sorry. Sorry, what? I'm, uh, I'm a big director. Sorry. Oh, okay. Has Angels ever heard of it? Don't, I actually don't see many films. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Ah, uh, sorry. <laughs> Do you want me to bring someone else in? Maybe they'll recognise you. <laughs> yeah. No, it's okay. It's okay. Thank <laughs> you, though. Thanks for your time. <laughs> Bye, Charles Howard. It's Howard Hughes. Okay. Of course it is, yeah, mate. Good on you, mate. I'm one of the richest men in the country. <laughs> sure okay, you are, Okay, Charles. Mate. See ya. We'll send that 250 bucks in the mail. <laughs> I don't need it. <laughs> sure you don't, mate. All right, mate. <laughs> so he formed the Hughes Aircraft Company. The aim was to build the world's fastest air racer, which he called the H1. Howard Hughes designed and built the plane himself. Oh so this is what we're talking about. Stop With it. With the, the rivets being so specific. On September 13th, 1935, Hughes, flying the H1, set the land plane airspeed record. No. So, so land, wait. Whoa. Okay. Let me get my head around this. Land plane airspeed. So break that down. Break the, uh, that's as opposed to a seaplane. Okay. Which apparently at the time could go faster. Ah. So, yeah, it was taking off from land. It was measured at 352 miles an hour or 566k an hour. This was the last time in history that the world airspeed record was set in an aircraft built by a private individual. Wow. So, he built, built it himself and then set a world record, which is crazy. In 1937, he set a new transcontinental airspeed record by flying non-stop from Los Angeles to Newark in seven hours, 28 minutes and 25 seconds. So the f- Newark, no Jersey. So the fastest time to fly from one end of the US to the other. He broke that world record. And then the next year, 1938, he set his sights on the record time for the fastest flight around the world. He took off from New York, dipping his wings over then-girlfriend Catherine Hepburn's house. No. Huh? Oh, she was in the aviator as well, Kate Blanchett. Ah, the that's only, right. uh Person ever win an Oscar for playing another Oscar winner. Oh, oh wow, that's, oh, that's cool. That's a great fact. Yeah. Three million dollars, please. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh yay, we've got a million bucks. <laughs> so yeah, she's featured heavily in that film. I'm gonna buy Skittles. <laughs> How many? Uh, just a little pack. Million You're packs. not ready for wealth. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go overboard. Gold Skittles, please. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is how rich that he was. Apparently, he never carried money and often would be out and he'd have to ask to borrow money because he just never thought about money. And then people would ask for cash and he'd think, oh, oh yeah, cash. <laughs> like, he just didn't have it because usually to have, like, assistance and things to get things for him. So, he'd have to be like, sorry, can you spot me 50 bucks? <laughs> and you're, you're the richest man <laughs> I'll ever meet. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. No, I don't have a spare 50. Yeah, sorry, I don't have money. Another time, uh, someone said, so he apparently used to drive a pretty shit car. Didn't have a radio or air conditioning or things like that at the time. Did they have those things at the time? We'd have radio. I don't know about air conditioning, but it, it wasn't like a top. Didn't model. even have like electric windows. <laughs> <laughs> didn't have power steering, can you believe it? Yeah, didn't so even have didn't Bluetooth. Have Bluetooth. <laughs> <laughs> so just imagine a Toyota Camry, if, if you will, which we uh, have been shitting on lately on this, on this podcast. Not shitting on. <laughs> Just be. <laughs> so he's driving a Toyota Camry, and one of his. It'll be a huge step up for me. I want to make that clear. <laughs> if, if the good people at Toyota Camry yeah. are listening, <laughs> one of his like managers or something um, said to him, "Mate, why don't you drive a Rolls Royce?" And he said to him, "Said to him, why would I need to? Who have I got to impress?" Oh, <laughs> I, I'm the top dog. Yeah, what about? I don't give a shit about people, what any of you think. People know how rich I am. It doesn't matter. But yeah, I love the idea of. Not carrying money, and then you are so rich, but still having to borrow money. It's so so stupid. Anyway, so he took off on the trip around the world, 
It wasn't smooth sailing. He nearly flew into a mountain range in Siberia that someone had apparently forgot to put on the map. He was busy tipping his wings <laughs> yeah, to another yeah, yeah. B- hot bird. How are you? Oh, shit. shit. <laughs> <laughs> dips, me, dips me wings. <laughs> but on July 14th, 1938, he returned to New York just 91 hours after setting off, meaning he'd beaten the old world record by four days. Does that mean 91 he, he, hours? He wasn't fl- like there was another pilot and they did tag teaming or whatever? Well, this is a guy that works for 40 hours at a time. I reckon he just did it all. No, there was like a there was a co-pilot and uh, I believe a navigator on board. And they had to stop 17 times to <laughs> yeah. refuel. Yeah, they stopped. I think it was at least six times. Yeah, but yeah, he he beat the old record by four days. You got to stop, you know. Well, that's something like halving the time almost. No, yeah, it's not. But it's taken a big chunk off. Wow. I think it's, it's better than half. Yeah. Why do I know nothing about this guy? 91 hours, and he took four days so off. So, he took 96 hours off. Wow. Which is... That's wild. <laughs> crazy. So, he built his own plane, set the fastest speed record, then he built the rec- got the record for one side of the country to the other. Now, he's got the record for around, around, the, around the world. Previously, he'd really been only known for his wealth and relationships. So, his girlfriends were usually more famous than he was, Catherine Hepburn and uh. people like that. But now, he was celebrated as an American hero receiving multiple parades in his honour. Oh, my I God. Love, like, the olden days was such a funny time. Can you imagine now someone does something fast, or, like flies a plane? And put a Would you even up? know about it? <laughs> no, you wouldn't. Would There'd you go to a parade about it? No. <laughs> what do you get parades for these days? The f- AFL Grand Final. Yeah, well, all right. That's culture, though. But that's the only parade I can think Moomba. of. Moomba? Is there a parade for Yeah, Moomba? the Moomba yeah, Parade, is, yeah. the King and Queen, wasn't... Nice. I think, yeah. Maybe he, maybe he's a, a multimillionaire we know. Nazim Hussain. Yeah, I mean, he's the king of Moomba. Yeah, surely that comes with a big old check. Yeah, huge For check. multiple million and dollars. And not just a novelty check, like a lot of money we mean. Yes. On a, but on a novelty check also. Yeah. Best of both worlds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the following year, Howard Hughes combined his love of aviation with business when he bought a share of Trans World Airlines, TWA. Eventually, he acquired 78% of its stock, so he just bought an airline. Holy shit. He conceived the original design for a Lockheed Constellation, which is a 40-passenger transcontinental airliner with a range of 3,500 miles or 5,600k that could fly easily from one side of the USA to the other with 40 passengers on board, which at the time wasn't a very common thing. So that was a huge success for Transworld Airlines. Did they have... uh Stewards serving snacks. It was. I think it was a much more glamorous affair back in the day. People would wear suits and things like that to go travel. People would dress up. Yeah. yeah, I think I picture people wearing suits just day to day. But I see people fairly dressed up on planes sometimes, and I'm so perplexed by it. I don't for like long haul flights. How yeah, how dressed up do you mean? Like I've seen like women in high heels and men in suits and stuff. I'm watching Lost and a few of them I'm like well, you were wearing that on a plane? <laughs> like one one woman's just in like a halter neck like dress and I'm like oh you'd be so cold on the plane wearing that. Yeah, maybe she was going straight to the opera at the other end. Yeah, that's something. true. I mean I don't I mean you do you, but I'm always in trackies. Like you got to be comfy. You know what are you doing? Dave always wears tailored jeans. Mm, there's no I, d- no, I do not wear tracksuit pants in public, I'm afraid. I will not stoop. <laughs> <laughs> That's why Matt and I are way more comfortable on our long haul flights. That's true. Although Dave's little legs don't hit the floor, so yeah, we're true. sort of more comfortable in other ways. <laughs> he can lie down. I'm less comfortable in other ways. He just, yeah. he just curls up curls in a little ball like a cat. I on don't the even seat. recline to lie down. <laughs> I lean forward. Have you got a smaller chair? 
<laughs> you got a booster seat back there? Sometimes I put him in my pocket. Yeah, and it gets real snug. Yeah. It's so cute when you put him in there and he's just all snuggled. It's like, oh, there he is. But we have lost him a couple of times. That's true. That's People true. are always surprised when they see photos that you're like the same height as me and Jess. <laughs> like, hey, you, may, you really make him out to seem smaller. But I fully picture to be small. Apart from when I'm standing next to you, yeah. I picture you to be pocket size. I picture you like living <laughs> in a little can of beans. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> An empty can or a full can of beans? Half full. Oh, thank goodness. So there's still beans to eat. Yeah. <laughs> but there's room to breathe. <laughs> yeah. Best of both worlds. Yeah, it's the best of both. <laughs> Would you live in beans, Dave? I could. I could. Okay. If you want an update on this uh, cock uh, watch tweet, five likes. Okay. What was the wording that you went for? Well, this is the thing. I didn't really put any time on it. I said, even a cock watch is right twice a day. And uh, and then I like realized that pe- that doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, what's it's a cock watch? People are so I I replied to myself and said, for this one, imagine a cock with a tattoo of a watch on it, and that's also got five likes. <laughs> that's <laughs> good stuff. Good, good, good. It's good when the explainer gets more, or the same, or possibly more. Likes. I think later on I might need to add a little more info, uh, one more round. And guys, I think- it's so hard to tweet and podcast at the same time. <laughs> But I make it work. Yeah. Somehow I still came up with a Peabody Award winning <laughs> tweet. <laughs> well, that's a little prediction, but obviously with COVID, uh, tweet quality has dipped and uh, I reckon I'm up for a Peabody this yeah. year. Which I don't know what it is, but it sounds cool. Peabody. It's fun to say. Yeah. It was funny. <laughs> All right. During World War Two, Howard Hughes focused, uh, focus turned to military aircraft and he began designing planes many of which were under government contracts. Okay. The first he designed, but not under one of these contracts, was a bomber called the the Hughes D-2. Of course. It had to be abandoned after lightning hit the hangar that it was stored in and everything burnt down. That is unlucky. Not a good start. Another one that didn't go so well was the amphibian aircraft Sikorsky S-43, which Hughes piloted but crashed. Again, he walked away from the crash only with a large gash on his head, but two other employees weren't so lucky and were killed. Oh, no. Holy shit. Uh, but probably his most famous of his four plane crashes in his lifetime. Jesus Christ. Four. And, oh, no spoilers, unless did any of them take him out? No. Huh. He survived all four. Wow. But probably his most famous, and this, this one is in the aviator, occurred on July 7th, 1946, when test flying the US Army Force reconnaissance aircraft, the XF-11 and he was flying it above Los Angeles. Hughes had been flying for an hour, twice as long as the agreed half-hour test, when an oil leak began to affect the right-hand propeller. It began to pull sharply to the right and rapidly lose altitude. Hughes could have parachuted out, oh, no. but he elected to see if he could solve the problem manually. So he got out on the wing <laughs> with a <laughs> screwdriver in his mouth. Getting <laughs> 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 out there, getting juddering in there. Get out a bit, bit of gum. <laughs> yeah. Put it in the hole. <laughs> uh, he could not solve the problem manually, so he aimed to perform an emergency landing on the Los Angeles Country Golf Club. Sadly, he didn't quite make it and landed and landed about 300 meters short of the golf club, clipping the pillow factory. <laughs> he clipped <It's> lucky. <laughs> he clipped three houses, one of which was destroyed when it caught oh, caught fire. Oh my god. Hughes sustained significant injuries in the crash. This is the worst crash he ever had. He, which included a crushed collarbone, multiple cracked ribs, a crushed chest with a collapsed left lung. His heart was shifted to the right side of the chest cavity. Wait, what? I did, did you know that was possible? Yeah, usually when it happens, you die. 
His heart was shifted. His heart gets moved over. His heart got moved to the other side. Can you just scooch over a bit, <laughs> please? <laughs> he had numerous third-degree burns as well, so he was burnt a lot. He was very injured, and most people thought he was going to die. Do burns get worse the higher or lower than normal? Higher. Third's bad. It's how okay. much? How many layers of normal sports sk- rules? Skin it's burnt. I through, forget which yeah. ones are golf rules. <laughs> Three's three's real bad. Real bad. But I've heard it hurts less because it's, by that stage it's burnt through the nerve, <laughs> which is. Oh, that's all right then. Right, but I mean, it, it's harder, harder to recover from though. So best of both worlds. Yeah, uh, it's maybe quite. Not that it one. doesn't recover well, and um, you know you'd need skin grafts and stuff like and that. And you're in pain for the rest of your life. Uh, potentially, but not immediately. Right. You know. Well, Especially what, probably with 1930s I must technology. say, that's what, that's what I've heard. I'm certainly no uh, Burns expert. Mm. But he was very, very injured. Expected, Mr. Burns. Yeah, oh, I love him. That's Bruce Gris. He was very injured, expected to die. But he got to hospital, and whilst recovering, which he did recover, he noticed how uncomfortable his hospital bed was. Oh, my God. So, he used his time to invent what we know as the modern-day hospital bed. Got a screwdriver in his mouth, <laughs> crawled out onto the wing. You know how, when you're in hospital now... Um, they can be raised and lowered in different sections. Yep. They didn't used to be able to do that. He invented he that. He invented that. He came up with these plans and sent them to his assistants and said, can you change this? He put hot and cold water that would help with his burns in the in the hospital bed. Oh. Yeah. So basically, he invented the, what we know as the modern day hospital so bed. So in the end, it was good for the greater good that he went down that day. Yeah. That's amazing. And it, yeah, he survived. I, I feel like that is often the way you need rich and important and powerful people to have a problem for it to filter down to pe- the unpowerful plebs like you know yeah the average people um who suffer from something they need uh, someone from up top to you know um care about it enough yep, to do to something, do something. About it. far out that is wild dave it's it's, it's absolutely crazy so that's a good thing that came from the crash. The bad thing was he began taking codeine, painkillers, Valium, and many other drugs at this time, many of which he would be dependent on for the rest of his life. Codeine. Right. How do you take your codeine? Uh, I, only for migraines. But do you take pills? Yeah. Great. He liked to inject it. Okay. Yeah, right. yeah. Uh, and it got more and more and as yeah, his life went on because he, he was in pain for the if, rest of his if life. If you go to the chemist to get it, they ask you four million questions. Um, because it's it is it's like very addictive, right? They ask you, he they would ask him one question, which was, "Is your name Howard Hughes?" <laughs> and he'd say yes, and they'd just give him Here all he go. wanted. Especially back in this day. Yeah, maybe this is before. Oh, well, I mean, they probably knew that it wasn't great, but it was probably before. Back then, Sprite was made with codeine. So <laughs> yeah, that's one of the key ingredients of Sprite. Uh, so. <laughs> He was dependent on that for the rest of his life. Having said that, nine months of recovery later, Hughes returned to the XF-11. They made another one that wasn't destroyed. And he performed a second but much safer test. However, the plane never went into mass production. Okay. But uh, that's one thing that blows my mind. He just invented another plane. Is that you could be in an accident that serious and nine months later be like, all right, I'm going to try again. And as well, in between trying... Uh, unsuccessfully and trying successfully, he uh, revolutionised hospital beds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so wild. That's so cool. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, growing, getting bigger, it all means the same thing. Squarespace (laughs) makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. And if you're worried about like, well, I don't know how to write stuff for a website and make myself look good, well, you can get help with the written content for your website with Squarespace AI. You can generate instant personalized results that highlight your brand identity you can explain what your site's about choose your tone enter what you need and bang you got some short and long form text baby so squarespace ai makes it easy to go live stand out and succeed online i'm so glad you had that bit because i thought it was pronounced squarespace ai (laughs) anyway sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses or sell files your customers can download. I don't know if I'm hitting all these words as <laughs> intended, like PDFs, music, or ebooks. I would love to buy Matt's ebook. I'd like to buy Matt's course, and you you can do that. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course. Be more like Matt. Oh, one hundred one. Wow. How yeah. many? One, does it go to one hundred two? It goes all the way to one hundred two. <laughs> <laughs> You can customise everything with next-generation editing technology. You can create engaging lessons your audience will love and then set the price. You can charge a one-time fee or sell subscriptions. Matt, how much is it to be more like Matt 101? Oh, three mil. Wow. Wow, like per month or? Yeah, USD. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.com slash do. Do go on. Uh, Hugh's most famous plane came next. That Hughes H4 Hercules, a.k.a. the Spruce Goose. <laughs> Hercules aeroplanes I've heard of. They're quite... Yeah, that's like um, military ones now. You're right. Yeah, Midnight all have a song about them. Here come the Hercules. Here come the submarines. Well, that's a great impression if you don't know Midnight Oil. Yeah, it's absolutely very good. <laughs> but also, submarines, dumb. Dumb, they are they? so dumb. You They're had me at Hercules, Peter. But you lost me at submarine. <laughs> so the Spruce Goose, which was the nickname for it, it was conceived as a giant flying boat for use during World War II. Jess, do you think that's dumb? A it's giant, sort of a reverse submarine. A flying it? boat? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's dumb. It's basically a big seaplane. Yeah, a flying boat. But it was referred to as a flying boat. The US government contracted Hughes, uh, Hughes's company to design and build an aircraft that's capable of transporting 700 troops or a load of 60 tons across the Atlantic, because this is during World War II. Because of the lack of metal during wartime, Hughes proposed that the, built, that the boat be built completely out of wood. Yes, that sounds good. Yeah. It's big... Aluminium's hard to get a hand on. Alum- aluminum, if you're from overseas. So and we're going like to use old growth forests, big, heavy timber. <laughs> Real heavy, beautiful. We'll polish beautiful. it up. Oh. We'll oil it. Oh, my yeah. God, it'll look stunning. It's treated pine. Yeah, oh yes. And uh, you have to power it with coal, <laughs> a big open furnace. <laughs> what could go wrong? Have a big supply of petrol just in case it goes wrong. <laughs> 
Uh, it turned out to be a bit of a nightmare to build because you have to, he had to uh, get people to carve and plane back and test each bit plane of wood. Plane back. <laughs> uh, which much more than aluminium. So everything had to be tested way more. Yeah, right. Because wood is not as consistent as a piece of metal, so they had to test everything. Uh, and it had to be giant to achieve its brief of carrying 700 troops. It was the largest... 700 air- fucking hell. It was the, the l- spruce goose was a wooden plane. Yeah. It's... And it was the largest... A flying air- boat, thanks, Matt. Sorry. That's true. It was the largest aircraft ever built with a wingspan of 97 and a half metres. So for conspa- a comparison, you imagine a 747. That has a wingspan of 67 metres. Yes. And this was how much? 97. Right. So it's one and a half times... Surely just ran it up to 100. Yeah. It's basically 100 metres of wing. Yeah, I'm imagining 100 metres mm. on a track. And it was the biggest plane ever built until the Strata launch was flown last year. Right. Which is... I don't, did the you Titanic see this in the plane? of the sky. It's the... That, didn't. And the Strata launch is one where they... It's used to launch stuff into space. It's actually got two cockpits. Right. And they're, they're connected oh. by, by a wing in the middle. Anyway, they look amazing. Is that the Richard Branson thing or something else? It's one of those type companies. Right. That are competing for that. But the H4 Hercules... So it was absolutely massive. It wasn't without its doubters and critics. It was nicknamed the Spruce Goose by the media, a name that Hughes reportedly detested. That is, despite the plane being mostly made out of birch rather than spruce wood. Right. Uh, But they just called it the Spruce Goose. He hated that name. Because it was wrong. That's why. It wasn't... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He's like, well, I don't care if you hate it. Just don't call it... Call it the Birch Bastard or something. (laughs) Spruce... I'm not using spruce. There were lots of delays on the plane and the war finished before it could be completed. (laughs) So both these planes, the XF-11 and the Hercules, were accused of being failures and waste of money. In 1947, Hughes was called to testify before the US Senate, or a US Senate committee, investigating whether he'd misused millions of dollars in government funds on the project. They'd spent $22 million, fortunate at the time, and only two prototypes of the XF-11 were ever produced. One crashed, and the Hercules hadn't even been flown yet. So they were like, what have you done with our government money? It really, it sounds a lot like Australian uh, government-manufactured submarines. Remember, we've spent so much money on them and they've just never been used. Yeah. (laughs) I forget about that and remember sometimes, like, we're so dumb. (laughs) What are we doing? Because submarines are dumb. Right. Yeah, Jess is a, actually a powerful lobbyist. She's destroyed <laughs> the submarine industry. I think they're dumb. <laughs> they're so funny. Am I right? I might be misremembering that. But I, we put billions in. And I then they, I think I, they were like, the, the technology was superseded before they were finished and they had heaps of problems anyway. I think that rings a bell. I think they're still making them. I think it's in Adelaide they're making them. Yeah, F class or something. I think it's, by the time they're, they're finished, they will be superseded. Maybe that's it. Right. So it's I think there were ones before these that maybe had the... Anyway. And, and they, uh, the cost is literally in the billions for that, so that's crazy. Anyway, important for us to have submarines. Yeah. Yes. So the hearings... We are girt by sea, mm-hmm. man. So best to protect our sea, of which we are girt. Yes. You've got to protect that girt. I reckon if we were smart, we would have built huge wooden flying boats. <laughs> yes. If we were smart. If we were smart, but we're not. Well, you bloody. said... Fl- you Lucky said f- country, not the smart country. <laughs> yeah, those clowns up in Canberra don't know bloody f- their heads from their bums. <laughs> Is <laughs> yeah. that a saying? <laughs> yeah, I reckon. Imagine approaching the microphone with the wrong end. <laughs> 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 Thanks for coming here today. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've been the wrong end of the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> you might not have picked that up, but I said something real funny. <laughs> 
Is Unless it, you did pick it up and then... Then, well, that Dave probably edited it because <laughs> what I actually said was very funny. <laughs> so he's been called before the Senate committee hearing to explain what happened to the money. At the hearings, Hughes said of the Spruce Goose, quote, <laughs> not that he called it that, I put the sweat of my life into this thing. I have my reputation rolled up in it. And I have stated several times that if it's a failure, I'll probably leave this country and never come back. <laughs> and I mean it. Where are you going to go? <laughs> I don't know. The hearings he goes to Canada and then just looks at America <laughs> through the window. Through like, a powerful mm-hmm. telescope. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that he invents. <laughs> he can see through walls. The hearings were widely publicised. And despite being a billionaire, Hughes was widely seen as the underdog. Yeah, right. He was pretty popular. He knew actions spoke louder than words. So when there was a break in the hearing, he flew to California to continue testing with the Hercules. With members of the press on board and Hughes himself at the helm, in November 1947, the plane finally took off. Eh, hey, that's cool. For 27 seconds. Oh, Whoa. no. Three more seconds. It flew... <laughs> Thank you. It flew just 70 feet or 25 metres above the water before landing one mile later. So it, it just took off, like just. But I mean, it landed in water. That's what it's meant to do. Yeah, it it's w- a boat. <laughs> it's That's a boat. the beauty of it. You're like, yeah, this is what we wanted. It's a boat, but if it's really bumpy on the water that day, we can just hover above yeah, it. Yeah, we'll hover it for a little bit. For a bit. <laughs> and then we'll come back down and maybe we'll hover again. It'll look like we sort of don't know what we're doing, but that's exactly what we're meant to be doing. <laughs> so it's a bouncy boat. Just trust me on this yeah. one. Everyone's going to be flying bouncy boats soon. Yeah. You just watch. I'm ahead of the curve yeah. here. You're the idiot. Yeah. No one's there. He's talking <laughs> <laughs> He's talking to stuffed yeah, animals. Press of all. He's not wearing pants. <laughs> <laughs> this guy never wore pants. Nah. So it flew for less than 30 seconds and that was the only time that the plane ever flew. Cool. But it didn't matter. Hughes had proved that the plane could technically fly, so the hearings lost steam, and after that, Hughes was seen as vindicated. I love winning on a technicality. Yeah, because yeah. they were saying, this thing never flew, and he went, yes, it did. And they had to be like, all right, damn it, this hearing's over. <laughs> love <laughs> it that. It flew for 27 seconds. A, yeah, a bit of wind caught underneath yeah. it. <laughs> well, we were lucky with that gust of wind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, shit. That saved me a lot of money. <laughs> Well, he, he later spent millions and millions of dollars over the years keeping the plane in a specially built centre that kept the wood, you know, hydrated and stuff like That's that. That's what you want for your plane, to need but to it, be in a special place. <laughs> no, but it never flew again. He also spent millions of dollars getting Owen Brewster, the senator who was seen as the instigator of the hearings, basically get unelected. Oh, oh so he's... Oh. He won, Smear campaign. He, won, he spent whatever it cost to get someone else elected over him. It was very rare for an incumbent senator to lose their own seat in the primary. So he wasn't even nominated in the next election because Hughes had spent so much money on his opponent. Right. Oh, so he, he ruined that, that other guy's career. Far out. Yeah. Sick. Yeah, and that, yeah isn't that wild? Because oh, that sucks. Yeah, it really that sucks. sucks. He wasn't a, he, I, I'm not going to lie to you. He wasn't a great guy. I don't know about this politician, but that does feel like... When your democracy is not too strong, when one guy can just spend money and and um, change results, he basically saw no problem that he couldn't throw money at. It was sort of his attitude, mm. which we can't relate to here with uh, Clive Palmer <laughs> <laughs> claiming his billion spent um, bought the election for the government. But yeah, anyway, of course, he claims that though. Yeah. Clive's got an episode in him of this show for sure. <laughs> yeah, for people who don't know him, he spent some. We'll save this for a possible yeah, future we should, episode. Yeah, we should. 
but he he spent a lot of time and money with plans to build Titanic two, <laughs> and then a dinosaur park. A dinosaur park, yeah. <laughs> he bought his way into our parliament as a senator and never really rocked up. But he when he did, he drove in in Rolls Royces and sports cars and stuff. He uh, once made a compendium of I think it was a sixteen hundred page thing of all the things he'd ever said in Parliament. Had it bound, had like three or four thousand copies made and sent to every other politician and journalist in the country. Why? Just to show that he could. So he spent like hundreds of thousands of dollars on this project only for people to just throw it in the bin. <laughs> oh, what a jerk. <laughs> in nineteen uh, allegedly I like you if you're listening. Uh three million dollars please. I'll <laughs> three give million you a fact. Do- three million dollars and we'll stop trash talking you. I'll take it. Hey, when I said that you built Titanic 2, I meant, I'm like, what a legend. That's what, <laughs> what we a all cool wanted. idea. What a cool, great idea. Because the first one was so good. Yeah. So we want another one, please. Just don't change anything. Oh, Dinosaur Park. Yes, please. I love Jurassic Park. Um, if they could not <laughs> kill me, that would be ace, but. I love Titanic. Can we make them clever girls a little less clever? <laughs> In 1948, Hughes bought a controlling interest in RKO Pictures Corporation. Hughes was staunchly anti-communist and after he acquired the corporation, production was shut down for six months, during which time investigations were conducted on each employee as far as their political learnings, leanings were concerned. What? If he suspected that someone was communist, he fired them or scrapped their films. What? Oh, is it, yeah, there was a whole period in Hollywood where... A lot of people got blacklisted for yeah, blacklisted. having oh, yeah. possible links. Was this McCarthyism? Yeah, that's that era. What is exactly movie that. is about that? Uh, Billy Madison? Yes. <laughs> Billy Madison covers this very topic. Yeah. Conditioner is better. <laughs> <laughs> Stop, Stop looking, looking at, at me, swan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that was... He was uh, sort uh, of acting yeah, out yeah, yeah. there. Yeah, it yeah. was an allegory. Yeah. <laughs> It's like the animal farm of of Adam Sandler films. Veronica Vaughn, she was sort of like the mm. Trotsky. Um, and then you've got uh, the bus driver, played by Chris Farley. He was more of your whoever McCarthy is. And then <laughs> when he said, that Veronica Vaughn is one fine piece of ace. That was sort of some sort of comment on the, yeah. on, on the thing. Yeah. We've written a thesis on it. Um, yeah, but we don't want to release it yet because it's pretty damning. It's very damning and quite sexy. It is very sexy. It's a really sexy thesis. Has it been sealed? Yeah, it has. It's There's a, a still section in the middle <laughs> where uh, every question <laughs> that uh, Jess got right, I took off a piece of clothing. <laughs> she didn't get any right, but, you know, it alludes to possible nipples. Yeah. Do you wear a Howard Hughes design bra? Everyone's got nipples below their shirt, if you know what I mean. Really? <laughs> sort of feel like I'm losing it. If you know what I mean. Some of us have more than one, if you know what I mean. Oh. Some. Is this our sealed section? <laughs> <laughs> this is too hot to put out now. So he started firing people just because he thought they might be communists. He became the first sole owner of a major Hollywood studio since the fi- silent film era, but he sold the shares in 1953. The following year, he bought the whole company back, only to sell it again in 1955. What's he doing? He remained chairman of the board of RKO until 1957 when he left the film industry for good. So Hollywood right. was behind him from this He's point done. on. He married actress Jean Peters in 1957. The two had an earlier relationship and um, 
they just sort of rekindled their love. At the time, he apparently kept asking her to marry him. And finally, they got together in 1957. But this is where his behaviour starts to take a bit of a wild turn. This is the final third. Right. Yeah. So you're blaming her? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> no way. <laughs> just coincidence. No, I, just, I absolutely feel sorry for this lady. Oh, no. Around this time in the late 1950s, uh, he went into complete seclusion. Great. Which we're kind of doing now. Yeah, honestly, he would be thriving in the current environment. I'm mostly, I'm doing a lot better than I thought I would, to be honest. He would often wash his hands until they bled. That's how much he hated germs. So in this current era of us washing our hands, he would laugh at the 20 second rule. And say, I'll raise that He's to like, 200 oh, seconds. You're singing happy birthday yeah. while you do it. I'm bleeding. Yeah, I'm, ble- I'm reading War and Peace whilst washing my hands. <laughs> and then I start again. <laughs> he had developed obsessive compulsive disorder over the years and had become obsessed with germs. In one of the few times he lived in a home rather than a hotel. Remember I said he lives in hotels. Yeah. He bought a modest sized house but installed air purifiers intended for shopping centres to ensure the air was clean. Okay, love that. But then he, uh, in, in the 50s, he began to be surrounded by AIDS, and rather than go oh, out... Oh, he would have hated that. <laughs> Not that AIDS are a germ, but, you know, it's still a, some sort of sickness, isn't it? I'm not a scientist, but <laughs> I think AIDS is bad. I, I believe AIDS is, yeah, is bad. AIDS with an He e. got on early, though, too, because I don't even think it was around yet. No, it, it wasn't. He was... Early adopter. He was worried. No, he began to be surrounded by uh, these AIDS and... Rather than go out, they would do things for him. So he was always inside. They would do his bidding. In 1958, Hughes told his aides that he wanted to screen some movies at a film studio near his home. He didn't leave the dark studio for four months. What? He oh, ate his only... His pupils would be so dilated. Or the opposite of that. Maybe a real little. Yeah. This is the start of the Mr. Burns. Big, right? No. Yeah. <laughs> This is the start of the Mr. Burns era right. stuff. So he's growing a big beard, looking like yeah. Moses. He ate only chocolate bars and chicken and drank only milk. Uh-huh. Okay, I'll do that. And no. was surrounded by dozens of Kleenex boxes that he continuously stacked and rearranged. He wrote detailed memos to his aides, giving them explicit instructions neither to look at him nor speak to him unless spoken to. He would ask one of them what the time was, and when they began to speak, he would shush them and d- demand to be silently shown their watch. So someone would be like, oh, cockwatch? Mr. Hughes hits 3.30 and he'd be like, shh, show me the cockwatch. You'd drop your drawers, he'd thank you and you'd leave. Okay. Well, at least he says thank you. Yeah. Politeness doesn't cost much. a total monster. You know? One of the notes that he had made survived and this is what it said. It is equally important to me that nobody ever opens any door or any opening to any room, cabinet or closet or anything used to store any of my things, even for one thousandth of an inch for one thousandth of a second. I don't want the possibility of dust or insects or anything of that nature entering. More instructions. Dust and, I- dust and insects in the same category. Yeah, I love, I love that. that. I love that. Dust, Small things. insects or any kind anything of bullshit like, like that. Anything like that. Or any sort of combination of the two, like dust mites, which I believe to be dust come to life. <laughs> Dave, explain to me what a closet is. <laughs> How do you say that? Closet. 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 Mate, this is Birmingham. All oh, over my God. That still <laughs> angers me. What was the word? Uh, debut. Yeah. I said de- debut. Instead of debut. Instead of debut. <laughs> they lost their minds. It was, it's amazing that they collectively lost their yeah, minds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in the lack of my defence, um, I don't think any, any, anyone says closet except for me. <laughs> closet. So that is what you normally say, closet. Closet. 
I just don't think I'd ever say it. Closet. It's a very American thing, right? A closet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we could say cupboard. Cupboard. I'd say cupboard. Cupboard or, cupboard wardrobe. or wardrobe. I'd say yeah. my walk-in robe. <laughs> <laughs> of course you would. <laughs> I'd say my walk-in pantry. <laughs> yeah. I'd say my walk-in closet. <laughs> <laughs> my food closet. <laughs> Fod closet. So, the takeaway there is that he had ex- extreme instructions. Other things he'd say, use six to eight tissues to turn the knob on the bathroom door. Not seven. No, seven's allowed. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Then use eight new tissues to open the bathroom cabinet and remove an unused bar of soap. Clean your hands with the soap. Use at least 15 tissues to open the door to the cabinet containing the hearing aid. Remove the sealed envelope containing the hearing aid with two hands. Use another 15 tissues in both hands. Did he buy stock in tissues? <laughs> he, He's yeah. lost it. He often sat naked in the cinema watching film after film. Oh, my God, the dream. (laughs) Never bathing. His hair, beard and nails grew very long. Didn't cut any of it. No, I don't love that. It's weird to be a germaphobe and also not wash. Yeah, and to be nude all the time. Yes, and also to be with so many different sexual partners. Oh, he's still... They're still... Is he still doing well, that? To be, no, by this stage he is Things a have dried bit up of a, a lot. Yeah, yeah. But throughout his, his, his younger his years... His cock has dried <laughs> up. He yeah. was always worried about germs, though. It's shriveled. His whole life, but yeah. Um, yeah, Dave, he, you can have safe sex, you know. Did you know about that, Dave? <laughs> Sorry? <laughs> Sorry, what? You can use protection, Dave. Did uh-huh. you know that? Do you mean do it in the closet? <laughs> yes, do it in the closet. It's safe in there. <laughs> no one can touch me. <laughs> <laughs> do it through the closet door. <laughs> He would also um, reportedly uh, wee into jars and keep the jars. Yeah, see, there's there's some inconsistencies here. Mm. I want everything clean and tidy. I don't Except want it, me. I don't want any germs getting near my piss jars. <laughs> <laughs> my precious piss jars. He left the cinema and then moved into a bungalow at the Beverly Hills Hotel where he also rented rooms for his aides, his wife and numerous girlfriends. Actually, he was still seeing women at this stage. He would sit naked in his bedroom with a pink hotel napkin placed over his genitals and watch films for hours at a time. You can put on underwear. You don't have to put a napkin over your, over your bits. Well, one of the people things it's hard to know because he obviously never did interviews about this kind of thing, but... One of the arguments is that he would inject himself with codeine for pain and possibly stayed naked because clothes he found would hurt his skin. Because remember, he had horrible burns and things like that. Yes, So possibly he just stayed naked, didn't like bathing because he was in tremendous pain. Oh, yes. Well, that all adds up all of a sudden. Yeah. Pissing in jars still doesn't. Yeah, no. no. But yeah, good point with that. Yeah. Why was it a pink napkin? Is that where the term pink bits (laughs) came from? I assume so, yes. He coined a lot of terms. Yeah, right. This is an interesting... But I think there's got to be a point where it doesn't matter how much money you have. Why do people let very rich people get away with weird or inappropriate behaviour? Like, he's just taken over a cinema for several months and he's living there and people are presumably bringing him chicken and milk and yes, chocolate. Yes, so they're bringing him... So I will say, one of the reasons people think he married Jean Peters, his second wife, was that they were very close and had dated in, in the past. But one of the reasons people think he married her was... Some speculate that he was worried that his aides were about to get him committed to a mental asylum. Uh-huh. But if you're married, you have to get the sp- at the time the spouse had to agree to it. Right. But so if he was unmarried, anyone could just commit him. But if he went, if he was married to Jean, he could say to her, "Don't let them commit me." So that sort of suggests that he was still with it. Yeah, pretty right? sharp. It yeah. Or at least very paranoid. Well, yeah, that's uh, actually, true. Actually, he which, was pretty paranoid. Yeah. Because as soon as his aides send him off, they also lose their jobs. Yeah. 
And that, if they're if they're still working those jobs, you're assuming they want the job. And that became a bit of a vicious cycle is that they became yes men that would do no matter. Right. So no one would actually give him help because he was so rich that even these aides were getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. So it's a very lucrative job. It's like you say, you don't want to lose your income. So you're like, all right, I'll go along with this wacky shit. I won't talk to him. Some people, like one of the aides has since done interviews and like one of his jobs was if Howard felt lonely, he'd go into the hotel room, in, which is completely dark, all the windows are taped shut, sit in a, in a chair. He wasn't allowed to talk to Howard, but Howard would just talk to him. And that was his job. He'd sit there for hours. Howard would talk to him and then he'd leave. So he, he wouldn't even respond? No, he wasn't allowed, just... to, wasn't allowed to respond. He oh, just wanted great. someone to just talk to. Just put a podcast in. Yeah. yeah. No worries. So, and that was one of the things that people would ask these strange requests and they're like, well, he's the man with the money. We've got to keep this dream going, baby. Yeah, right. But I mean, if you don't want the other person to answer, just talk, just talk out loud. There doesn't have to be someone there. Talk to a mirror. No, he wasn't well. But money was never a problem for Howard. In 1966, he sold his shares in Transworld Airlines for more than... 1966? It's the year the Saints won the <laughs> VFL Premiership. How does this year keep coming up? I don't know. God damn it. Stop. Like, you should, should have just, just changed cha- that. In 67. Or, or said mid-60s. Mid-60s, he sold his shares in Transworld Airlines for more than $500 million. Holy Which cow. is in the billions today. Wow. Crazy. He never wanted for anything Jeez. other than very clean hands. It's, yeah, everything he touched pretty much turned to gold, but it, it's still, yeah. It's you could say he's got the Midas touch. Mm. <laughs> you would tell that to him and he'd ask to wash his hands. Yes. Later that year, this is 1960-something, uh, um, Hughes moved, <laughs> train, uh, moved via train to Las Vegas <clears throat> and set up residence with his team of aides on the top floor of the Desert Inn Casino Hotel. He lived in the penthouse, taped the windows shut, and only a small inner circle of people were ever allowed to see him. Wow. The Desert Inn grew frustrated with Hughes staying there for months because he was taking up all the rooms usually, usually occupied by the high rollers that would gamble in the casino. Right, oh, of course. Right. He's paying the big fees, but he's not a gambler, so they're losing money. Hughes refused to leave and they threatened to kick him out. They were like, we're going to send security up if you don't leave tomorrow and we're going to remove you from the building. So Hughes came up with a compromise. He would buy the entire hotel, which he did. And they said, thank you very much. (laughs) He wrote them a big fat check and they made a lot of money. What? He just bought the hotel. How old is he at this point? Sorry. Did he say he was born in 1912 and this is late 60s? I think he was born in 1905, so he's 60 years old. In his 60s. Wow. That's wild. So, yeah. So, you can just throw money at any problem. Any problem. You Which want to kick me out? I'll buy the I'll place. I'll buy this hotel. Name your price. And they were like, sweet. At the time, the hotel had a golf course that hosted the PGA Tour Tournament tournament of Champions. And that brought in all the big names, Jack Nicholas, all these kind of people, and thousands of guests would come to watch. It was very lucrative for the hotel. Very profitable event. It had been going for over 10 years. Big uh, event on the golf calendar. But Hughes thought that the guests would bring in too many germs. So he just cancelled the <gasps> tournament. He said, another hotel can do it. I don't care. Yeah. And his advisors were like, dude, that that's just cost us lots of money. He was like, I don't care. Don't yeah, care. I too got, many people. That's something I got. I don't want people coming in. Of. But then Hughes discovered... A way to write off tax through the casino, through gambling losses. And from this point on, he began buying up multiple casinos and vacant land across Las Vegas. He bought Castaways, New Frontier, the Landmark Hotel and Casino, and the Sands Casino. 
So he just started buying because like, oh, they're great investments. Whoa. He reportedly was kept awake at night by the Silver Slippers trademark Silver Slipper. They refused to turn it off, so he bought the casino. What is that? That's like a light. Yeah, like a like a light thing. up slipper. Right. Like you know, neon sign. Basically, he said he rang him and said, "Can you turn it off?" And they said, "No." So he said, "Okay, I'm buying the casino," and then he moved the the slipper. <laughs> he owned he so many it. hotels. He couldn't just move his bed a bit. <laughs> Hasn't he taped up the windows? Yeah. That, he was like, "No, I don't like it. Get rid of it." Just knowing it's there is enough. That's insane. So he just moved the slipper. Yeah. At the time, Las Vegas was... He should have just turned it off after a certain point, you know? 10 o'clock it turns off. (laughs) But he doesn't respect night or day. At the time, Las Vegas was seen as being run by the mafia. And Hughes, this is actually written on Encyclopedia Britannica, is linked with changing the city's image through his development. So before that, it was run by the mob. But he bought all the hotels and developed a lot of stuff. And then it became more of a a go-to destination and like... Yeah, families wow. and stuff could go there. Yeah, right. But before then, it was... Yeah, the, the real family destination that it is today. It was got a lot of like uh, theme parks and yeah, right. sort of shows and things like that. Yeah, yeah I went when I was eight and we stayed at Circus Circus. Me too, no, I stayed kidding. at the Hilton. Oh, okay. <laughs> which at the time had a Star Trek ride. Oh, sick. Which was very fun. Who, did someone died for that to happen? <laughs> yeah, that did was you what? tell us that recently? Yeah, that was. That or was. your family trips was... That was my mother's great uncle. Well, my great uncle, my mum's uncle, yeah. So, unlike Howard Hughes, your parents didn't invest into huge money-making companies. They just poured it all into a, in good memories with their families. Yuck. Yeah. I yeah. Went and saw, we saw it, and I would never do this today, but we saw Siegfried and Roy, the Magic Tiger show. Yeah. That ended in tragedy one of, when one of them attack, was attacked by one of the white tigers. Uh, but, yeah, that, that's a great, crazy thing that we did. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Looking back on that. Anyway, so he, he actually changed the, the image of, of Las Vegas, many people say. Amazing. He also loved watching movies. And he bought a local TV station and told them what movies they should play each night. Fantastic. Basically programmed it. It is reported that if he fell asleep during one, he would call up the station and ask them to start it again. <laughs> no. <laughs> so other people at home would and be like... And they'd say, no. <laughs> <laughs> other people at home would be watching it going... Huh? Huh? <laughs> I, I thought I saw this bit. <laughs> the lion's roaring in. What's again? going on? <laughs> he could surely he could be like, I was up to around this point. Yeah, I saw this happen. Go back to that. Fast forward. Fast forward. Fast forward. Stop. Nah. Rewind. Ma- Marty just got in the DeLorean for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny and kind of cute. Start again from the top. I fell asleep. I was weepy. Go to sleep then, Howard. Go to sleep. No. Start it again. Uh, Hughes began surrounding himself by what have been uh, termed by some as the Mormon Mafia. As a member of the group were members themselves of the Latter-day Saints movement. Something Hughes himself wasn't. He wasn't a Mormon, but a lot of his key advisors in this time were high up members of the Mormon church. The group of aides and assistants, as I said, were essentially yes-men to the eccentric billionaire, bowing to his every whim, no matter what he asked for. Hughes once became fond of a Baskin-Robbins banana nut ice cream. Oh, yeah. Talk to me. So his aides sought to secure a bulk shipment for him, only to discover that Baskin-Robbins had discontinued the flavour. So he bought Baskin-Robbins. Well, not quite. I wish I could <laughs> tell you that. He, they put in a request for the smallest amount the company could provide for a special order, which was 350 gallons or 1,300 litres of ice cream. 
and they had it shipped to his hotel in Las Vegas. A few days later, the order arrived. Hughes announced that he was tired of banana nut and only wanted French vanilla ice cream. Oh, my God. The Desert Inn ended up distributing free banana nut ice cream to casino customers for the rest of the year. (laughs) (laughs) They had too much. Tell the real banana nut in that story. (laughs) Who? I'd hate that. I don't. I like bananas, but not banana-flavored things. I like bananas. I like nuts. I like I'm banana not nuts. Big on nuts. Except peanut yeah, butter. Yeah, I reckon banana. Sounds like it nice. could be really good. I like banana ice cream. Maybe Barney banana, popsicles, yum yum. <laughs> <laughs> yum yum. Guess we'll never know because they discontinued it. Damn it. That's so funny. And then he goes. He goes from banana nut to French vanilla. Surely that's you've got to love that, Dave. You love you love plain foods. I love ice cream. I really love it. Yeah, fair enough. So much. Hmm. I have some after this. You know, the last time I had it was when we had an ice cream date, Dave. You haven't had it since then. Over a year, maybe two years. Uh, maybe. Maybe. No, when did you are you talking about Adelaide? Yeah, I can't remember. Oh wait, Adelaide. Yeah, Perth. I had Perth. 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 That wasn't that long ago. Yeah, that was less than a year ago. Oh, right. Yes, we were quite drunk at the time. (laughs) (laughs) Drunk and ice cream. What a great time that was. Yeah, I heard you coming uh, because I was back (laughs) at the apartment. (laughs) I was drunk. (laughs) 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 Oh, baby, this ice cream's amazing. (laughs) Keep it down in there. (laughs) Just me and a whole lot of banana nut, am I right? (laughs) David's banana nut in that waffle cone. (laughs) I don't even want to clarify now. Yeah, let's leave it. Leave it to everyone's imagination. There's no imagination left. Anyway. (laughs) All right, we're nearly there for Howard Hughes. In 1970, his wife, Jean Peters, filed for divorce after not having seen her husband in over three years. (laughs) That's fair, I reckon. Jean Peters is a great name. Great name. Did she... I I don't know her work. She was a a famous Hollywood actress, yeah, at the time. Yeah, right. She's a... Wild story, and she got a, and she got a, a big uh, alimony payout. She would just got paid a certain amount for the rest of her life, and then went on to marry uh, another man. So hopefully, she was a bit happier. Another man, eh? Mm. In fact, um, so she hadn't seen him in three years. In fact, no one had really seen Howard Hughes for years. So people started to speculate that he was in fact dead, and that people were pretending he was alive to keep control of his assets. Mm. Ah, that makes sense yep. potentially. In 1972, author. Clifford Irving claimed that he had co-written an autobiography with Howard Hughes. This was a lie, but Hughes was such a recluse that he didn't come out and say that the letters Irving had released reportedly signed by Hughes were in fact fake. (laughs) Wow. It was enough to get Irving hundreds of thousands of dollars in an advance from a book publisher. So big, big money. That's a sweet scam. Eventually, to prove that he was alive and that Irving was lying, Howard Hughes agreed to a press conference over telephone with reporters who he had known from years earlier and that could therefore verify that they were talking to the real Hughes. Right, yeah. So they recognised his voice. but What's also your favourite colour? They actually did ask him questions about stuff like that to verify that it was not someone doing an impression of him. Wow. Irving, the author, was convicted for fraud and spent a year and a half in jail. All right, not the best scam after all. Mm. Well, he later wrote a best-selling book about this called The Hoax, and that was made into a Richard Gere film in 2006. What? Pretty Woman. <laughs> yeah, they, it was look. It was a rewrite, um, <laughs> but he still claims the it. bones of it are there. Yeah. <laughs> 
in his last years, Howard Hughes and his crew moved from penthouse to penthouse all around the world. But no one ever saw him. They would sort of ship him in at night, go straight to the room, blacked out curtains. No one was allowed to see him. But sadly, all good things must come to an end. And years of injecting codeine and never leaving your bed sure do take its toll. Yeah. On April 5th, 1976, Hughes lay unconscious and probably dying. And his personal doctor was called. But instead of treating him, the doctor spent two hours shredding documents. Oh, no. Oh, my God. <laughs> Apparently, many documents were shredded by his entourage that day. It's not clear if they were protecting him or themselves or both. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Four hours after the doctor... <laughs> you killed the doctor. You've got, Dad, he's in a bad way. The doctor comes in, pulls out his brief, briefcase, has inside of it a shredder. <laughs> <laughs> he puts on gloves. <laughs> a stethoscope. Yeah. <laughs> I need four cc's. Stat. <laughs> he's just shredding. Four hours after a doctor was called, Howard Hughes was put on a plane back to Houston, his hometown. Flying or floating? <laughs> he was flying. Both. <laughs> Perhaps fittingly for the once great aviator, he died as the plane was landing in Houston. Howard Hughes was 70 years old. Wow. He was apparently so unrecognisable that his fingerprints were required to identify the body. Wow. His nails, beard and hair were all long. and Despite being six foot four tall, he only weighed 90 pounds or 41 kilos. Oh, Oh, shit. There was not much left. Jeez, he wasn't eating too much of that (laughs) French vanilla. Yeah. Chicken and milk and chocolate. Yeah, jeez, that's so. That is tiny. He was yeah. he was malnourished and covered in bed sores because he hadn't really left bed in years. X-way, X-rays, X-rays, <laughs> X-rays revealed five broken off hypodermic needles in his arms that had snapped off whilst oh, he was injecting himself. Jesus. So he was very unhealthy, and his kidneys, which they put it down to kidney failure, were apparently basically non-existent by the time he died. Whoa. Uh, he was buried next to his parents all those years later. 50 oh, years shit, after yeah, because they, they died when he was so young. Wow. So what happened to his money? He was worth $2.5 billion when he died, which is $11 billion today, and was the richest man in America at the time. No yeah. kids, so... No kids. Yep, no wife then. Yeah, she two left. divorced wives. And, um, so yeah, where does it go? He was one of the richest men in the world and the richest in America. Approximately three weeks after Hugh's death, a handwritten will was found on the desk of an official of the Church of the Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints in Salt Lake City, Utah. This is called the Mormon Will, people have referred to it as, which gave $1.5 billion to various charitable organizations, including $600 million to the Howard Hughes Medical Institute, nearly half a billion dollars to the upper management in Hughes companies and to his aides, so they okay. got a lot of the cut, $150 million to his first cousin, William Loomis, and $150 million split, equal, split equally between his two ex-wives, Ella Rice and Jean Peters. That's cool. Probably strangest of all, $150 million was supposedly endowed to a gas station owner named Melvin Dumas, who claimed that he had once discovered a man lying abandoned on Route 95 outside Las Vegas, not knowing where he was. Ah. Oh. Dumas says that the man asked for a ride to Vegas, and after dropping him off at the Sands Hotel, Dumas said that the man told him that his name was Howard Hughes. Wow. Dumas claimed that days after Hughes' death, a, quote, mysterious man appeared at the gas station, leaving an envelope containing the will on his desk. 
Unsure if the will was genuine, unsure what to do, Dumas left the will at the Latter-day Saints church office. Immediately, people began to question the legitimacy of this will. And for a few reasons. The will left money to his two ex-wives, Ella Rice and Jean Peters, even though both women had alimony settlements that barred claims on Hughes' estate. So they actually had no claim. Hughes had often said he wouldn't be giving any money to his aides, and this will said that they got millions of dollars each. The will also filled, was filled with misspellings, including the misspelling of the name of Hughes's cousin. It also called Hughes's famous flying boat, the H4 Hercules, the Spruce Goose, right. a nickname that Hughes had always hated and would never use. Why, why would that have even needed to be in the will? It said, I would like, I would like to donate my Spruce Goose oh. to a museum. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's that's all the other ones. I'm like, he could have had a change of heart about his yeah. ex-wives and his aides, but yeah, that does seem very strange that he would have called it a spruce goose. So it was, of course, found to be a fake. Wow, that's real smart by that guy. Yeah, if it, it just these little details. Hughes had died without a valid will, and most of the money went to the Howard Hughes Medical Institute, which he had founded, uh, which he put money into. But a lot of people have later come out and said that that was probably just a tax write-off. But in the in the years since, they've had millions and millions of dollars and have done actual good medical research. Cool. And uh, most of it went to his distant relatives. According to the Wall Street Journal, around 1,000 people have benefited from the estate, including 200 of Hughes' distant relatives. Wow. After liquefying many of his assets, they collectively were awarded $1.5 billion. Whoa. So that make all of them rich? Yeah, so even if they all got a... A, an equal share, which you wouldn't. Over a thousand people, that averages out to be one and a half million dollars each wow. in the seventies. Holy shit! Imagine being a, a distant relative. Yeah. You don't even know you're related to this guy, and you just get a million bucks. And yeah. that's sort of loosely what the movie King Ralph was based on. Yeah. And uh, that is the end of my report. That's great how Matt report. ends it. It's a great report. <laughs> well done, Dave. What a wild story. I well, knew nothing. Yeah, I wanted to talk about him for a while because he is so eccentric. And I must say, after researching, watching a couple of documentaries and stuff like that, he was, like, some of the stuff he did is absolutely crazy and eccentric. But then I was also disappointed to find out that he didn't seem like a very nice man. Yeah, yeah. that is a bit disappointing. Yeah. You want him to be a bit of a kook, yeah, but well-meaning. Yeah, I want well him to be eccentric but fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's the stuff line. that when I first discovered this on, on Wiki all those years ago, I'd read about him locking himself in the cinema, cinema and only eating chicken for four months. I'd be like, that's really funny. But he was psychologically affected and also, before that, just pretty rich and didn't treat people very kindly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like someone who got rich when they were 19. Totally. He was born rich anyway. And parents had died and like obviously a lot of rough... Yeah, you can sort of... There's a lot of things to overcome there. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's difficult. Well, fantastic report. And as always, for first-time listeners, uh, you won't know, but long-term listeners will know that I always finish uh, the report by tying it back to the film King Ralph. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry about that. <laughs> don't you apologise, Dave. <laughs> no, it's just, you said that and I was a bit... I don't even know the film King Ralph, to be honest. John Goodman, he's American. The whole uh, British monarchy is reunited for a big photo um the the photo cables go through water and uh, electrocutes the and kills the whole british monarchy so um (laughs) that's pretty funny the throne goes to the a distant relative who is an american man played by uh, john goodman called ralph and he becomes king ralph i love it yeah that's just so crazy it might work yeah it's pretty great (laughs) i saw it at the cinemas (laughs) 
It's one of the first films I ever saw at the movies. Real, real good time. All right. Uh, that brings us to everyone's favorite segment of the show, which is the fact, quote, or question segment. I think the jingle goes something like this, Jeff. Fact, quote, or question. Ding. And the way this works is uh, if you support us at patreon.com slash do go on pod, there's a bunch of different levels you can get different rewards on. This one is if you get on board the Sydney Scheinberg Rest in Peace Deluxe Memorial Edition level. Uh, and this one gets you a bunch of things, including two bonus episodes a month, uh, which is also included on the DB Cooper and above levels. Uh, That's right. We also just released, we released, what, what, five bonus episodes this month because we, or for April, because we, or March, we put out, <laughs> getting ahead of ourselves, we put out um, our Dungeons and Dragons special series, Dugo D and D, that we did with Adam Car- Adam Carnavale. Adam Carnavale from uh, Sans Pants. So, if you're interested in hearing that, if you pledge right now, you can hear us play Dungeons and Dragons for the first time across four episodes. That mm. was fun. Very fun. That's right. Uh, but on the Sydney Scheinberg Deluxe Memorial level, you get to give us a fact, a quote, or a question. You also get to give yourself a title, and I'm going to go through two of those right now. The first is the gentleman, Odie Matthews, who's given himself the title of CEO of not knowing what a CEO does. Yeah. And he's asked a question. Oh, this is interesting. I don't read these until I read them, uh, which makes sense if you think about it. (laughs) But uh, we were talking about this before. He says, you mentioned a North America tour coming hopefully soon. Oh, so sorry, Odie. Oh, Odie. I think you wrote this before COVID hit. Uh, That... (laughs) Scampy little tiger. Was that on this episode we were talking about that? Okay, great. (laughs) Uh, So he writes, you mentioned a North American tour coming hopefully soon. Yeah, October. Ah. Uh, So I was curious, is there any American restaurants you've heard about that you're excited to try? Oh, Dave, this is right up your alley. Well, I must say I was very lucky to go to LA for a week in November last year and I was stoked to try In-N-Out Burger. Oh, yeah, that's, people love that. It was very good. Mm. They it did a pop-up In-N-Out burger in Melbourne yeah, last sure, year yeah. and there was like people queuing up around the block. Yeah. I'm like, you guys people are did, maniacs. Do you remember people doing that when Krispy Kreme opened yeah. here? It's w- people any, lining up around the blocks, coming out with multiple 24 packs of donuts. It's I like, you don't get, need that. I never get it. I never understand. Even like people do that when a new gaming console or phone comes yeah. out. It's like oh. there'll be no line for this tomorrow. Yeah, I never understand that. I've got to be first or I've got to get 48 donuts. Why? Are you having 48 friends over? Not anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I must say I was I loved trying in that burger. I had tacos. Is that the square one? Uh, I was listening to a podcast where people – we're talking about American burgers and one of them comes in squares. It wasn't this one. No, this was just like I got a double beef patty. There's only three options for burgers, I believe. Um, I don't know what the veggie option was if, if they had one, to be honest. But yeah, and you had fries and it was like in a, an, a diner style thing, which was really cool. And then you, you get a the world's biggest soft drink container. Of course. And you get to fill it up. It's a fucking tub. Yeah, right. Um, but I also tried Taco Bell for the first time, which we've just recently opened up one in Australia. Oh, how was it? I loved it. Cheesy Gordita Crunch. I'm all about them. Was <laughs> it, how does it compare to Taco Bill's? Uh, it's sort of, it's more like uh, takeaway stuff, right. like fast foody on the go. But it was very cheap and very, very yummy. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I have an answer for this one. No, I don't think I do. I'm uh, supposed to be going to Hawaii in August. <laughs> 
that's oh, probably not going to happen. Yeah, I'll be in Edinburgh. It'll be, we'll go maybe go to the airport together. Yeah, that could be sweet. I'll give you a lift. Oh, I was going to Africa. Had to cancel. I forget. Trip. Yeah, all these. Uh, I'm going to see Faith No More coming up in Adelaide. <laughs> oh, that's probably not that's happening. That's not going to happen. Damn it. Oh, well, uh, it's all for the greater good. That's right. That's right. Of course. Oh, we of all course. stay home and shut down now. Hopefully next year. And we can us all. not getting to have holidays is very low down on a list it's of fun, problems. Like, this is not going to age well if things get real bad. And totally. We're like going, oh, <laughs> yes, we are. We aren't really complaining no. that much. But no, but that's the thing too, and that's what I've been saying to people. Like when they do go, oh, I've had to cancel this or that. I'm like, you're allowed to be disappointed by that. Of course you are. You're a human being. Nobody could see this coming. You're you're allowed to go. Well, that sucks. But you don't go. Oh, the world is mm-hmm. because of me. You know, like fuck you. But you're allowed to still be a bit disappointed by it. I haven't yeah. heard anyone doing that second one. People been going like that. God, yeah. you really ignored my social media. <laughs> yeah, Dave has been. I was going to get a pie. I can't get a pie. <laughs> I wish Odie. Odie hasn't suggested any himself, but he does finish uh, the question by saying, uh, "Maybe some you've heard are terrible." And that makes you also excited to try them. Have you heard of any terrible ones? What are some of the other ones? Is Wendy's the, is different there. Is IHOP? IHOP. I've oh, been to I've IHOP. Oh, that's real bad. I like pancakes. Yeah, I've I had been a pan- there. I had some pancakes at home today. Did you? Yeah. Me you, too, actually. What the fuck? Crepes. You guys did not tell me. I could have made pancakes. You should have made pancakes. Oh, you should have Skyped in. Always tell me what you're okay, having for brekkie. sorry. It was the first time in months I've missed it. I knew something was off. Me- message. <laughs> Morning, Jess. Yeah, I hope I've heard is real ordinary. Pretty average, yep. Uh, what else is there? I, you know, there's the, what's the, what's their Hungry Jacks called again? Burger King. Burger King, uh, which in a lot of ways is the original Hungry Jacks. I like, that's true. I do like to try McDonald's in different places. Oh, yeah. To see if it's different. Bit of fun. I I I just I'm I'm so excited to go and hopefully we are allowed to leave Australia again one day. One day. And um yeah, I'm we'll we'll be asking for tips, Odie, if you have any. What about Little Caesars? I'm just going through and a yeah. list. Here. I've heard Olive of that. Garden. I've heard of that. What about Olive Garden? Papa heard, John's? I don't yeah. know. What's Olive Garden? Olive Garden's like a it's a big chain Italian, Italian restaurant. restaurant. I saw yeah. someone tweet about it somewhere recently saying it's basically like fine Italian food if you don't have any better options. But most city, like if you're in New York, there's going to be better mum and pop Italian restaurant. Yeah. Right. With it's cheaper and better on every street. Someone, that's what someone said in a tweet. Allegedly. Wow. Like they were so... I think I read that somewhere. <laughs> I've heard of uh, Arby's. Arby's, oh, yep. I've heard of that. Yeah. What's the big one in Canada? Uh, it's, a, it's a man's name. Yeah. I'm sick. They talk Ed about Hardy's, <laughs> something like that. It's not Ed it's Hardy's, not Ed but Hardy. something like that. They talk about it in How I Met Your Mother, and Popeyes? now I can't remember. It's not Popeyes, but that sounds good. Fuck, but it's I like don't a guy. It's it's and they make coffee, I think, and it's the most Canadian thing. Fuck. Probably moose go there to eat. Yeah. Hardy's? No, no I'm just going through a list here. Sorry, I've I've had a Quiznos in Iceland. They they they've got Taco Bell. They don't have. I think they don't have McDonald's in Iceland, but they did have KFC, Taco Bell, and Quiznos, which is like um, huh. like toasted wrappy sort of stuff. 
I look forward to um, Americans laughing at us mispronouncing their things. Sorry, it's quiz nose. <laughs> but I, Sorry, but quiz like, nose. Could you, what could you, as an American listening, laughing at us, what could you name for an Australian establishment? Vegemite? If you name La Porchetta, I will give you... La, 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 Porchetta, la, 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 Porchetta, la, la, la. Now that's crap Italian food. Someone was telling me... Smorgies? There's an Aussie comic who had a bit about La Porchetta that they were looking forward... They'd been touring their show and realising that La Paquetta is really a Victorian thing. So they were really looking forward to the Melbourne Comedy Festival so their La Paquetta gear could work. And obviously, they, yeah, never That's happened. That's so good. Uh, good on you, Odie. Thanks, Odie. Great and question, sorry. Odie. Tim Hortons is Tim the Hortons. Canadian things. Well done. Thank you. Uh, and great question. Yeah, but yeah, uh, feel free on the Twitters and uh, social medias, Americans and Canadians. Hit us up with your hot tips on all social media. Yeah, I actually love that. It really would. Do go on pod. Especially leading up to hopefully our 2021 tour, fingers crossed. It's the year. Although is the curse, that, should we stop trying? Yeah, let's stop <laughs> trying. Will we we try again and some other even bigger disaster happens? Yeah. Instead? We promise we didn't cause this. We'll we try one more time. If another disaster happens, yeah. we'll pull our heads in. We're not making any promises. Like when we can, when we've locked something in, we'll let you know. <laughs> you know? All right, so here is the second one of the fact quota question. It's from Suraj Paris. Suraj. Who is such a legend. Hold on, Suraj. Who's uh, given himself the title Officer in Charge of Prime Mate's Beanie Stock Monitoring and Subsequent Disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> He's tried to buy them off me a few times in person. Oh. When I've, um, I think, oh, my, this might sound crazy, but I, th- I think in. I think in England and in Australia, but that might be wrong. I might be misremembering that. But but, um, but he just bought four recently online. Yes. Uh, the, four. I'm down the last few. If how many want heads them. does he have? Oh, he's a four-headed beast. Oh, okay, cool. Well, good to say, cozy. So, uh, very good title. Thank you, Suraj. Uh, and he's given us a quote uh, in the form of a letter here. Hi all. I came across this line while catching up on my reading. Oh, you'll love this, Dave. Here we go. You love reading, you fucking virgin. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, stop reading books and try to read a woman. It's body language sometimes. Uh, it seemed like an intro to the inevitable stage adaption of Do Go On. Oh, uh, I love yes. that as an idea. Yes, inevitable. Obviously, off-Broadway. <laughs> uh, quote, I pray you indulge me for a space, for I am going to set out on a speech which may have some duration, but whose theme may be gleaned from its opening phrase. <laughs> That's great. That's from Boston Marriage by David Mamet. We do oh, talk for Mamet. a long time. Mamet. David Mamet, yes. Uh, it also features this line, quote, And we must have a pie. Stress cannot exist in the presence of a pie. <laughs> Which <laughs> oh, sounds like you. one of Dave's lines. I love you, David Mamet. What a guy. I'm, su- I'm, I'm surprised he was able to find our two lines without swearing, to be honest. Oh, right. Yeah. What's one of his famous works? I've heard the uh, name. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Oh, right. Glenn Gary, Glenn Glenn. A, B, C. <laughs> Always be calm. Uh, <laughs> finishes by saying, keep up the great work. Thank you, Siraj. Thank you, Siraj. Odie. A couple Odie. of fantastic Absolutely fact questions. As I say, uh, you can get involved in that if you go to 
What am I talking about? Patreon.com slash pod. I mean, all these are links that we're talking about are be in the show and, notes. And uh, they're both in the section of the Patreon that voted for this topic. Oh, that's right. So another one of the um, Sydney Scheinberg things you get is two-thirds, basically two out of three topics you get to vote on directly. Which Damn is right. Good. Uh, but anyone can suggest topics. That's a, a thing people get confused with sometimes. There's a link in the description. If you've got a sick topic that you think, why haven't they done this one yet? Uh, click the link in the in the show description and you'll have a, you'll find a form that you can fill out with the suggestion and also a section where you can say why it's an interesting topic. And that's, that's your chance to really sell it. And I highly recommend doing that because we're running out of good ideas. That's not true. There's, there's so, so many, many. There's so many in the house. <laughs> there's thousands. Uh, but we also love to thank a few more of our Patreons, our great Patreon supporters. And uh, Jess normally comes up with a little game to play here. Jess, what do you reckon this week? We're going to name the four things they're the best at. Oh, fantastic. Okay, best right. Best in the world. So Hughes had golf, aviation. Yep. Film. Cinema and wealth. Money. <laughs> yeah. He was good at money. Well, he was good at he money. He was good at money. Money-making machine. It was kind of outrageous. So we're going to give them the four things they're the greatest at. Okay. Would you mind if I kick this off? I'd love that. From Ontario in Canada, I'd love to thank Tommy Brennan. Good on you, Tommy Brennan. What is he the best Tommy at? Brennan. Tommy Tommy makes me think of tomato should, sauce. Do you we should go around the circle and yeah, say correct. one each and yeah. come back around? Oh, we're doing three for each. Okay, Yeah, great. maybe three. Three, go, three makes sense. That way yeah, we can right. do it. Yeah, right. So Tommy Brennan is best at, Matt? Uh, tom- tomato sauce drinking. Oh, okay. He Simil- can drink like in a race. He can drink the most litres wow. of gallons <laughs> of tomato sauce. Well, similar theme in terms of beverages. He actually makes the best Tommy's margarita. As Whoa. voted on by the margarita board. Oh wow! And what was Tommy's margarita again? It's just a it's a, it's a type of margarita, man. Whoa, <laughs> that's cool. It <laughs> is pretty fucking. He's cool. He's also really really good at surfing. He's like huh. the Kelly Slater of surfing. Wow! Wow! That's one of the best ever. That's how good he is. <laughs> uh, I'd also thank you so much, Tommy. Tommy, Brennan, Tommy you're a triple, you're a tri- these people are all triple threats. All of them. I'm a big fan of the name Tommy. I'm up for it. I love an adult who goes Tommy. Yeah. My brother goes, Tom. <laughs> what an idiot. Does anyone ever give him Tommy? I give him Tommy. Nice. Hey, Tommy boy. Tommy boy. I'd also love to thank from Clinton Township in MI-USA. Is that Missouri? Oh, or Minnesota Michigan. or Michigan. It's so hard, isn't it? There's so many. It's like that Gary Goldman bit. It's Minnesota. Michigan. Damn Michigan. It. Uh, I'd love to thank Richard Cameron not the first, not the second, no. but the third. Oh, my third. God. Holy shit, it's Richard Cameron the third. That's Dick the turd. <laughs> he and did it. And he's good at three things. Oh, oh, wow. Richard, you would be sick of that one, but uh, an apologies. Jess, what's he the greatest at? Rock climbing. Whoa, that's a cool thing. Wow, he's also really good at um, making furniture f- from wood. Wow. <laughs> Uh, look Carpentry. At a, look at a chair. Yeah, and I looked at a picture of Ayers Rock. <laughs> okay, so you got rock, wood. I'll do the third most important <laughs> element. He can tie jello snakes into a long line. Whoa. The longest line. Wow. Jello, rock, wood. Yep, they're the big three. That's why, you three. know, the three little pigs built their houses over there. The big three for, for Rick Cam 3. Hmm. Rick Cam 3, thank you very much. Can I thank some people as well? Yes. Please. I would love to thank uh, from 
What's oh California? <laughs> I was like, what's CA? You, what does USA stand you for? You dumb shit! I would love to thank Jacob Isaac Pastrano. Oh, oh my god, you sound delicious. Yum, I am hungry. Jacob, all right, Matt. What's Jacob good at? Uh, he can make the best coffee <gasps> foam art in the world. Oh, sick! He'll yeah. do like Whoa. personalized portraits. Yeah, he could do anything. Oh wow! Yeah, it's amazing what I he can do. I love that. I worked as a barista for a couple of years, and the really? best I could do was like a wiggle. <laughs> wiggle like uh, the stinky Jeff. Yeah, wiggle? which one? Yeah, I did a wiggle. <laughs> Why, how do you know that's that's actually, you, you made it sound like that's not impressive, but drawing a human wiggle is <laughs> <Yeah>. pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> no further questions. Dave, what's he good at? What's He's Jake really good at? good at ballroom dancing. Yes. Like, so like good. Really good. Like the best in the world good. Yeah, yeah, That's really That's great. Yeah. Could you he do help? other kinds of dancing or just strictly ballroom? Well, yeah. Oh, no. Oh, it's strictly ballroom. Um, you know how ballroom dancing is kind of lame until you're incredibly good at it and then it's impressive, yeah. but leading up until that, it's like, oh my God, this is so lame. But then when you're very, very good, it's like, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Let's list all our uh, <laughs> most famous uh, ballroom dancers. You got Paul Mercurio. Mm-hmm. Damn it. <laughs> now you do one. <laughs> Sonia Kruger. Oh, is she? She's in that film. Oh, is she? Yes. <laughs> wow. It's actually a really good film. It is actually. Is that Baz's that's first? That's Baz. Baz's first and only, in my opinion. Oh, that's his only good one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, wow. No, I thought Australia was fantastic. <laughs> I've never seen it. Australia or Strictly I've never room. seen either of those. I have oh. seen Romeo and Juliet mm. and uh, the one where Leonardo DiCaprio pretends to be rich or is rich. The Great Gatsby. Yeah. I actually haven't seen The Great Gatsby. I can't really. Oh, I don't think I have either. But not a big fan. Maybe of I it. should try watching the film because I could not get through the book. Of the Gatsby. Really? Anyway, we're not talking about it. I told you all about it. I know, it, I know. That's all I need. It was on book cheat. We did it. Um, Jacob, he's great at... So, we've got coffee art, Thank ballroom you. dancing and... And remote control repair. Wow. Whoa. That's he's like the best like of the world. The TVs or any like cars or anything. Any remote control. Wow. And like everyone else will try. And they'll go, I can't. We get have to send one. it to Jacob. Just get a new universal one. And he says, It'll don't worry about it. Here. He just, like, you know when you take the thing out of a game and you just blow on it? He just does that and it just works. Wow, the magic breath. It's crazy. It's crazy. Breath? Magic breath. <laughs> yeah, okay, great. And finally, I would also like to thank from Adelaide, Australia... We'd love to thank Bianca and Robbie. Wow. I think that's only one B. That's Roby. Roby. Bianca and Roby. Thank you so much for your dual support over in Adelaide. You sure that's not her surname? And Roby? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it definitely uh, could be. Thank you so much. Bianca and Roby. Uh, well, should we think of something that they could do together? They're a power couple. We shouldn't have already burnt ballroom dancing. Damn it. Damn um, it. All right. Uh, other duo things. Okay. Um, um, okay. Singing duets. Yes. Damn it, I was going to say something um, like that. They, they made uh, Huey Lewis and whoever he was with in that film look like bullshit. Two men rowing. Wow. That's a good one too. Two men canoe rowing. <laughs> They're very good at rowing, but only them. Did wow. I nail it? Or? Yeah, absolutely nail it's it. It's actually two person canoeing. Women can canoe too. Mm, I don't believe that's true. As a woman... Well, as a feminist, I've never I canoed. <laughs> I've canoodled. Oh, sure. you have canoodled. I've seen you canoodle. Some of the finest canoodling I've yeah, seen. Yeah, I'm one of the best canoodlers ever. But sadly, these people on this list cannot match my level of canoodle. <laughs> no, that's true. Well, one thing they are great at, Jacob and Roby, 
Sorry, that's not right, is it? It's Bianca yeah, and Roby. So sorry, my eyesight's not so good today. Bianca and Roby, they are also fantastic. They share this with how it is. They are fantastic film directors. Oh, yeah. They oh, are yes. the Australian Cohen brothers. Right. Yeah, yeah. But whatever relationship they are to each other. Yeah, that. Yeah. Probably not brothers. Probably not, but we don't know. But maybe. Maybe. Bianca um, and Roby, you two, you're two of the best at being the best yeah. together. Congrats on that. Huge. We appreciate that a lot. Huge win. Dave, bring it home. I would like to thank all the way from Miami, Florida, a place I'd love to visit. You know, lots of Art Deco in Miami. I'd love to see that. You love also, Art Deco. Combining Golden Art Deco Girls with the beach. Was yeah. There, wasn't it? I literally just, I watched the first episode of Golden Girls today. Yeah. Because I've been watching so much. Was Blanche horny? God, Blanche is always <laughs> so horny. First episode, she's she's getting hitched to a guy she's just met. Oh, yeah. Blanche. Classic Blanche. I don't really know Rose. much about that, but sounds fantastic. Um, yeah, I'd never watched it before, and then I'd just been watching so much serious stuff that I felt very sad, and I was like, oh, I need to watch something light. I imagine that's perfect. It was great. I loved it. Look at me. I'm fine, aren't I? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What's uh, B. Arthur's in it? B. Arthur. She's and her, fantastic. And her mum in that show is actually younger than her yes, or something? She's Some a younger. Like that. She's a younger actor in makeup. And Betty White's old in it already, and it's from the 80s. Betty White's the oldest in it. Yeah, right. She doesn't look it. She looks amazing. Oh, yeah. She still does. She anyway. I would like to thank from Miami, Florida, Grant Vitesnik. Oh, yes. Grant Vitesnik. Fantastic Ooh. name there. Don't often see a V, a Z, and a K in a name. He's yeah. done it. That's just, that's if your word, if your name was an acceptable Scrabble answer. Oh, man. You, you destroy it. Every destroy time. Destroy the game. Good on you, Grant. And uh, Grant is fantastic at. Uh, he's really good at. At um, he invented this new thing and is also the best at it because he's the only one who's ever done it. Jumping out of a plane, uh-huh. whoa, with crushed up chalk in different colours, and he then he sort of <laughs> he blows those, <laughs> whoa, like mm-hmm. and then from below, mm-hmm. it it looks like Monet painted the sky. Wow, that wow. sounds amazing. Yeah, it's a lot of chalk. Yeah, is chalk good for the environment? Look, all right, here I we mean, go. I mean, we've all got to make here sacrifices. Here comes Woke Jess ruining <laughs> the art party again. <laughs> art party. <laughs> that's a, that's an impressive thing, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and wow. he's the best at it. Because he's the only one who can do it, but still pretty cool. Still pretty impressive. Jess? Um, equally impressive is he's the best at solving Rubik's Cubes. Whoa. That is cool. Equally impressive. Well, equally impressive, he's also the best at eating pickles in a short amount of time. Oh. Oh, he, he wins pickle eating competitions I'm all the time. I'm into that. I love pickles. I love pickles. Pickles make any burger better. Couldn't agree more. Pickle in or out, Dave. Pickle in or out. I'm, I'm in on a pickle. Yeah. On a burger. Absolutely. Get me an in and out burger with a pickle. I've been listening. Have you listened to James Acaster's podcast where they eat they eat a, an imaginary meal? Oh, yes. It's very good. Him and Ed Gamble. There's at one point he'll yell at the guest. Um, what does he say? Pumpadums or bread? <laughs> Pumpadums <laughs> or bread? <laughs> like, is that a question in England? Pumpadums or bread? Pum- like, because they're building their, their best meal. Yeah. What's, it, what's it called? I can't remember what it's called. Uh, Fuck, I was just reading about it today. Yeah, it's like perfect perfect restaurant. No. Yeah, Food. it's very good. Um, But yeah, that's a question. You Ed have to Gam- pick your... Ed Gamble, did you say that? Yeah, Ed Gamble. So, a drink, a starter, a main up. course, and a dessert. Your favourite meal. But then, one of the questions is always, Pumpadums or bread? Off like, menu. Off menu. Off like, menu. Like, that's a... A common question yeah. in the UK: Papadoms or bread? <laughs> you never get offered a papadom here. Still or sparkling? Yeah, yes. which is a classic question. Yeah, that's fine. I'm happy with that. Although but I haven't been to a, a restaurant as fine enough to have that question asked for a yeah. long time. Yeah, but then 
in on the podcast, they always take it like, oh, I used to be a Papa Dom's eater, but now I'm more of a Brit. Like, it's so common yeah. for them. <laughs> Ronnie Chang tore it apart. That's the episode I listened to recently. He's oh. like, oh, you're a great Western. All this Western questions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. All right, fantastic from Grant. And finally, I'd like to thank from Boras in Sweden. Well, right. hopefully we have not done that to you today. <laughs> I would like to thank Oh, how do we pronounce this name? Because this this uh, next entry was in the Golden Hat a couple of weeks ago Johannes Uhl Because oh, didn't he tell us how to yes, pronounce it? I can pr- find that Johannes Uhl, I think is what Matt said last time mm. Yeah, uh, the O uh, <laughs> Oh no Uh uh, <laughs> worth the wait. I'm sure you've just. This is going to be good stuff. Just to confirm it as well, probably. Johannes Uhl. Uh, the first letter in my last name, the O with the dots, is pronounced like the U in the word burn. Yes. Uhl. Yeah, yes. we did it. We did it. Good on you. you. Burn. Uhl. Johannes? Sorry. Thank you. And uh, Johannes is fantastic. At Shredding guitar solos. Monopoly. Whoa, Whoa. It's, that's a good skill. Like nationally ranked. Wow. Internationally ranked at Monopoly. Jeez, he would be unpopular <laughs> with his siblings and other... No, because he's so good, he can actually get the game done quickly. Oh, that is good. So he's putting people out of their misery. Yeah, yeah. Wow. He's a merciful Like many, overlord. I've never played it till the end. <laughs> no. One time, um, and we were... My brother was in his 20s and I was in my late teens and he, we were playing with his uh, now wife and my best friend and we were getting so heated, my brother slammed it shut and said, come on, we're going to get ice cream. <laughs> and we all went down to the shop got ice cream. Love That's it. a good result. That it is was. a good result. It was very smart of him. Great diffusion. <laughs> Fantastic. And Johannes Uwell, final skill is, of course, creating sculptures out of yogurt. Wow, that is yogurt sculpture. Frozen yogurt? No, yogurt yogurt. He's very good. Wow. The other kind of yogurt, which I call sloppy yogurt, (laughs) is that what you're talking about? (laughs) Unfrozen yogurt, as I call it. Yuck! Wow, Wow. there you go. He's that That good. Yeah. Does he wait till it's off? No, it's just straight from the packet. (laughs) He can make it do things. (laughs) That's amazing. That is amazing. Well done, Johannes. And he's not putting any toothpicks or anything in it. He's not making a sculpture and then pouring yogurt over it. That's not happening. I could no. not be more impressed. No, there's no structures involved. He's just... That he's is amazing. Slopping it on top. Just slopping, <laughs> slopping it on. It. Slopping it, flopping it, <laughs> chopping it. All right. Incredible. Wow, that is very incredible. Uh, do you know this guy? I just realized this episode is coming out on... April the 1st. <gasps> April no joking. Fools. No fooling. Fools. No we got ya. Everything Dave said was wrong. <laughs> oh, this, this guy never existed. Lol. Now let's start the real report. Pranked ya. <laughs> well, that does bring us to the end of the episode. Almost. Bar one thing, which I've just remembered, and that is, of course, <laughs> uh, people that have been supporting this show for three years continuously without... Dropping off and on the uh, bonus episode level. No, on the shout out level. Which, what is that called? Uh, is it called the Ask Prod, maybe? Yep, yes. That sounds right. 
That does sound right. On, the, the, shout out on the, five, the five buck level. The five buckaroo. If you've done that for three years continuously, we will add your name to the golden halls of the Triptych Club. Only the one inductee <gasps> this week. Oh. Bob, uh, do you have a drink or or hors d'oeuvre for them tonight? Um, it's a tomato-themed night. Oh, so yeah. we're having Bloody Marys. Yes. And bruschetta. Oh. <laughs> oh. You would hate yourself if you were someone else no. listening to you. You say... You can, <laughs> Margarita. Yeah. <laughs> a bruschetta. Uh, can I have the spinach and ricotta? <laughs> Fuck you. I, I've i been tripped up by uh, bruschetta before and bruschetta. One of them's right. like thin meat and one of them's bread with sauce on it. Is that right? Well, yeah. But I I could not well, tell you C-H- which. Gun to my head, couldn't tell you which. C-H in Italian is K. Yep. And just C by itself is a ch sound. Yeah. So it's very confusing. Right. And every time I pronounce bruschetta properly at a restaurant and they say the bruschetta, yes, I'm like, I fucking, I'm right here. <laughs> I'm right here. I'm right Don't here. Don't correct me to my face. <laughs> uh, but. The only inductee this week is from that great state, MI. What was it again? Michigan. Michigan. <laughs> from Lincoln Park. Whoa. Uh, shout out to those who are one step closer to the edge. Um, <laughs> I'd love to thank Philip Bourgeois. Philip Bourgeois. Who's got one of the great names, of course. Uh, enjoy Tomato Night, as well as everyone else who's already been inducted, which uh, there's tens of you in there already. Um, so that we got a team every night. It's yeah. all feeling a little bit more bourgeois since uh, you've yeah. joined. It's so good to have you in there, Phil, or Philip. Sorry, um, fabulous. Don't, Philip. I don't want to assume that you're if you're uh, comfortable with Phil. You might be a lip. Yeah, you might be a lippy man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a bit lippy, Phil. <laughs> well, our bouncers are friendly, but first warning, mate. <laughs> There will not be a second. Um, First and final, mate. Welcome in, Philip. So good to have you in. Uh, And everyone else who's already uh, in the Triptych Club, of course, you'll know if you are, because you'll be on the special page on our website, which Dave has written all your names. We're going to redo the entire website just for this shitty page, all right? Shitty page? Come on, this is is the... uh, Sorry, glitty page, meaning (laughs) glittery. Behind the velvet rope. Meaning (laughs) glitterous. Yeah, this is quite glitteral. Okay. I have to go to bed. Yes, well, we should wrap up then. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, get in touch, do go on pod.com. There's links, there's merchandise, there's Patreon, there's an email there. You can contact us. There's also at do go on pod on all the social medias. You'll find us. We'll say hi. Yes. It would be a pleasure to see you out there on the World Wide Web. Absolutely. We've got to stay connected. That's, a little, that's what I call it. You is call it called the internet. Is that what the WWWs for? Well, that's, what, that's the little one that I've come up with. Ah. I don't think that's the actual thing, but yeah. There you go. Bit of fun. It helps me remember WWW. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> is it four W's? Is it two W's? Well, and it? as I always stop, I say World Wide Web and then I type it. Yeah, in. great. <laughs> but how many U's is it? It's eight U's. Oh, oh my God. What does that stand for? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, HTTP, of course, is hot tamale, tamale potatoes. <laughs> hot tamale, tamale potato. I like it. Yep. I'll never forget it. Anyway, uh, that's <laughs> definitely where we should end as we lose our tiny little minds. As my, I can f- see my fingernails growing before my eyes. Let's all get in my spruce goose and get out of here. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. And until next week, I'll say thank you and goodbye. Later. Bye. Bye.
podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.